Okay, on three, we'll do five. Okay. Hi, this is John DeLynn, and I am a douchebag. <laughs> this is Infants on Thrones. Baby steps. You want someone to preach to? The philosophies of men. I like magical toys. You want Mingled with humor. I don't believe in them. There will be many willing to preach to you the philosophies of men mingled with humor. We are evolving. Baby steps. Even by end, this world of money. The good in everything. Look for the people who will set your soul free. It always seems impossible until it's done. Look for the good in everyone. All right, welcome back to Infants on Thrones. It's January 2022, the month of reflections. And this is episode 779, Infants on Mormon Stories. Now, a little over seven years ago, in December 2014, we infants sat down with John DeLynn for a four-hour interview. And it was pretty interesting to listen back to. <laughs> there are several cringy moments for me personally as I listen to a previous younger version of myself stumble very clumsily over issues of feminism and gender inequality you'll hear what I'm talking about and you'll probably cringe right along with me. Now we did this interview before we added John Hamer and Heather Craw as formal infants. It was also about a year and a half before we did start asking for donations on Patreon, even though we said that we would never do that. And it was about two and a half years before I lost the job that I had at the time and actually started needing some of that support just to be able to live. So thank you to everyone who has ever supported the podcast through Patreon. And you can still do that if you want to. It would still help me out if you find value in this podcast. Now, this episode was also about two months before John DeLynn was excommunicated. And it was nearly a year before the infamous November 2015 policy change, which is interesting to keep in mind when listening to us go back and forth on whether we think the church is progressing or not and whether we want to reform it or burn it down. So here's what I did for this four-hour episode. I personally think that the last hour or so is the most interesting, so I've recut this episode to place that part of the discussion first. So we're going to be jumping right into John asking us our thoughts on the direction of the Mormon Church, and then we'll loop back to the first three hours where John spends time getting to know each of the then-infants, including our favorite swear word, because that's super interesting, right? <laughs> and to continue on the Reflection series, later this week you're going to be hearing our eventual reaction to John DeLynn's excommunication in the episode that we called Excommunication the Musical. And you'll also be hearing a post-excommunication interview that we did with John called The Reluctant Atheist. So you're going to get several hours worth of reflective content this week to enjoy or to skip, whichever you choose. Now, I also want to remind you that on January 22nd, I'll be presenting at the Phoenix Thrive Conference, which will be held in Mesa, Arizona. I'll be leading two interactive gospel doctrine style breakout sessions about 
unplugging from the Mormon matrix, and negotiating shifting beliefs in God. And I'll also be giving a presentation called The Wise Man Built His House Upon the What? Searching for Foundational Rocks in a World Made Up of Constantly Shifting Sand. It was something like that. And spoiler alert, I'm much more interested in generating more questions than I am providing any definite answers. So I hope that you'll be in the mood to play with some of the ideas that maybe you've played with before, but maybe not. So check out the website Infants on Thrones for more info about this conference. And now... Stories Podcast is a production of the Open Stories Foundation. Fun and funny, and I want to laugh. Laughing, entertainment, not taking things so seriously. I have a hard time telling Matt and Bob apart when I listen, honestly. Really? No, no, not, no, sorry, not Matt. Scott, Scott and Bob. There you go. That's yeah, I've heard that before. <laughs> Everybody, yeah, nobody, it, it seems like I'm... It sounds like Seth Rogen. Some suppose that they were preset and cannot overcome what they feel are inborn tendencies toward the impure and the unnatural. Not so. Why would our Heavenly Father do that to anything? I'm to sexy or compassion. To sexy or compassion. So-called tolerance must be wrong. I'm not doing this for the money. I'm not doing it for the attention. I think every single Mormon on this planet has the right to know the factual record as it relates to the church's origins. Everyone should be able to make a conscious decision with all the information on the table. This is Infants on Mormon Stories Podcast. The philosophies of men mingled with humans. We are the core. Hello and welcome. All right, let's shift gears, and we're going to end by talking about our favorite topic, which is Mormonism. Um, so we'll have a bit of a free-for-all as we close. Uh, I'm going to start with the question that one of the listeners asked. If you guys had to choose between helping the church improve or seeing it go up in flames, uh, which would you pick? And I'm going to just open it up to the to the quorum to discuss. <laughs> well, it's it's easy to assume that you can hold things constant and, and, you know, not think of your family and the cost, that, the, the, the situation that they would be in. If you can think of the church as that other, then sure, go up in flames. But there's still too many people who are close to me for me not to wrestle with what I would really want. I would 
so in a perfect world, I would love it if, if I could get my family out to watch the burning building with me. But that's an easy answer, of course. Is this Scott or Bob? Was that Scott or Bob? That was Bob. Okay, that was Bob. All right. So what what does it mean for it to improve, though? Like what what because for for me, in order for the church to be a healthy information, it would have or, or a, a healthy place for people to be. It would parts of it would definitely have to burn. You know, there there you would have to burn out all of that literal believing, self congratulatory, aren't we awesome? You know, and then what would you have? What what would the sacrament talks be? If it wasn't self-validation, every single topic, just a different flavor of it. Right. You know, and, and there's so much of that self-congratulatory validate going back to Jake's question in the last five minutes of elders quorum. Why, why do we have to have the priesthood that every single person in the world needs in order to get into heaven? How, how are you going to get past that where all you are is a, a charitable group of people that are doing good in your community and uh, you have this common heritage of Mormonism that's your DNA and shared. I mean, I, what what would that be? You'd have to burn out so much of it to, to get to that healthy place. So I don't know. I, right. I, I, and, and, I and having it change, having it improve, I mean, it, it's an improvement from my perspective, but a lot of the things that I would have it improve would be the things that, uh, the people that I love, like Bob, like Bob was talking about, the people that I love that are in the church that they take very seriously, you know, and that they that things that they get utility from um, in the church, like a literal belief in the Book of Mormon. I personally would want that to change, but that's just so that I would feel more comfortable at church. But you know, I have people in my family that are very uh, tied that get a lot of utility out of that particular idea, so it's hard to. Say if we're really going for one one or the other. I don't know. It just seems so relative. And like if you think about ordained women, you know, like the measure of improvement there is that gender equality is balanced out in the church so that women have the priesthood too. Is that an improvement? Uh, yeah, it's an improvement where you've got equality. But to me, the whole priesthood, it, like what is priesthood then? Is it still the the hierarchy? Yeah. Well, not not just the hierarchy, but. You know, like like one of the things in my slow burn out was a realization that Jesus's atonement was really, really powerful to forgive anybody of any sins. But it's dormant. It's dormant in the world until the Mormon priesthood activates it. And that really, really bothered me. It just seemed so egocentric, ethnocentric that that we're putting ourselves above Jesus as, as yeah he's pretty powerful but it doesn't have any effect until we say so you know and, and so is that still the priesthood what what the priesthood is even though women have it and is that an improvement in in the church uh, as far as the the one true uh you know elitist claims so uh, yeah I, I it's a it's a tricky question for me john what do you think matt yeah i don't i don't by any either of those things i want mormonism to be irrelevant and have as little effect and impact on the world so i guess to the extent that that means burn it down maybe maybe that's my answer but i want it along with other religions to have less impact because i think there will be less damage less pain to people so i want it to be irrelevant yet here i am talking about it a couple times a week (laughs) so you want you rather than burning it down you'd want it to wither yeah yeah that's fair Mm, all right, Scott. 
Um, I, uh, you know, I, I want people to make their own their own choice. I want people to have options. I want people to know that, you know, the Book of Abraham papyri is out there. And if people choose to stay in the church, then that's fine. But I think um, it's it's inevitable that it's going to go up in flames, and I'd rather see it happen before too many generations go go by with this kind of painful um, degradation. So, yeah, if there were some kind of, like, event that just made it so that everybody could move on, that'd be great. Randy? This is a hard question for me because... Um, your dad your, is so awesome. Yeah, he is. <laughs> Uh, you met him. You, you also met his wife, who yeah. thought that uh, the only reason men turned gay is because they didn't have any luck with the ladies. <laughs> well, and, isn't there some truth to that, Randy? And, and John and I, John and I looked at each other, and it was this weird moment. Like, are you going to do it? Am I going to do it? <laughs> are we going to take on this uh, Fox News uh, conservative? Um, but to me, it's like it's so hard because it's. You're weighing um, the suffering of the minority versus the joy of the majority. And, um, uh, you know, because I'm such a champion of, and I always have been since I was a kid, um, I was always the, the kid that, that uh, took pride in, uh, you know, defending kids from bullies. Um, I've, that's just, it's just part of my DNA. And because of how acute the pain is for the minority um, and the fact that the majority could probably find joy in other places, I probably would like to see the, burn, uh, the church burn down. But if it happened too quickly, if it was like a, like a total um, apocalypt, apocalyptic burn down, um, I think that would be too painful for too many people. So I guess uh, my what I'm rooting for is uh, a gradual withering of the church and its significance and its messages that are so um, misogynistic and homophobic and um, so fearful of uh, the outside world, uh, i.e. apostates. So I don't know. Is that even an answer? It's awesome. Yeah, Tom, Tom, do you have anything to add? Jake, you already spoke, right? Yeah, yeah. And I would just, I would just pretty much echo what Matt and okay. Randy said. I'd like to see the people, the members, uh, reduce the power and influence that the church has over them, and and obviously the you know indirect consequence the church kind of wither a little bit. Something that I heard, uh, I, I think it was Sam Harris, but I'm sure it's any of the four horsemen of the apocalypse say, is that they kind of viewed you know, liberals or progressives within a religious tradition as being like the worst of all possible positions. And I think I heard John Larson say this recently as well. Um, do you guys feel that way? That like noms, New Order Mormons or liberals or progressives are like actually damaging? Yeah, we did a whole episode on on uh, what we call damn liberals um, where we went round and round on this. So I think we're kind of all over the map. That was, oh, okay. that was about so, a year ago, though. So, are we still in the same place as we were then? I well, don't know. Sam Harris's argument is that 
uh, sensible liberal believers give cover to the um, extremists because they make looking or they, they make uh, make it look like believing is something that's reasonable, which gives cover to the believers that are extremists. And I, I don't buy that argument at all. Um, everyone's uh, personal experience is their personal experience. Um, you know, can I look at someone like John Hamer and say he's giving cover to someone like uh, one of the Lafferty brothers? That, that makes no sense to me. Um, so no, right, I don't right, buy because that. he believes in a, in a god. Yeah, John Hamer is a liberal believer. Okay. Do you think he's giving cover to the Lafferty brothers? <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> there you go. It's it's a ridiculous to me. That's it is. It's a ridiculous uh, hypothesis. Yeah, we Everyone, were we were able to knock that straw man down like easy. <laughs> I know it was a straw man, but um, but do you, I mean do the rest of you believe that uh, people that are liberal and sensible they they believe in evolution, but they still believe in Jesus? Guys like Mike Bond. Um, do you do you, do you believe that they give cover to extremists? Oh, well, I don't think so. Yeah, but I think there's some more nuanced discussion there. Like, I mean, the infamous Bill Maher episode with Sam Harris and Ben Affleck getting his panties in a bunch. um, (laughs) That's a little more nuanced than, you know, That's a pretty sexy thing to say, panties in a bunch. Jeez, Jeez, (laughs) edit that out. Get rid of that baggage, man. (laughs) Bob Bob is the one feminist on the panel. Uh, I can't even make my point anymore. No, it's all right. It's all right. All right, so so I, I I think so. We'll refer our listeners to that episode. Uh, damn, damn liberals! Is that what it is? Yeah. Okay. All right. But, but uh, you know, I'll say I it, I really have a tough time finding much empathy for the ordained women crowd, for example, because it's just uh, as I keep saying all the time: if you want the priest to take mine, I mean, here you can have this. <laughs> you can have this thing that has no effect, no impact, no real tangible thing and i understand the argument but it is real and tangible because you give it power and that's the point you give it power but it's the voice it's it's like the the being looked at as a as a leader and and that kind of peer uh being able to attain to that more than any power i think with them but no absolutely but it's it's why if you you are in a church you are in an organization that devalues you so much why are you asking for scraps? And that, so I do have a difficult time with that piece of it, but that's a little different, different question. People who are looking to change what isn't, what what I think is just a fundamentally flawed organization. And and this is kind of a a running discussion that we've never, I don't think we've ever completely taken head on, but it, it pops up from time to time and whether religion is a net negative or a net positive, you know, we've talked about it a couple of times. I think, I think your position on that issue is really going to color that your answer to that question, John, you know, sure. like if, if you think the noms are giving cover, then you're kind of assuming that it's a net negative, I think. And, yeah. and, uh, you know, I, I think going back to Randy's original comment with it, everybody has their own experience in, in the religion. And I don't know that people are looking to others to really validate them as much, especially, especially when you grow up in it. And it becomes your world and this little bubble that you just live in and you're happy with. So why, why change it? I don't know. So, right. Yeah. right. Okay. <clears throat> um, okay. So this is a question that's purely indulgent for me. I'm curious to hear what you guys think. But I think about, you know, just the past 10 years that 
that I've been trying to be involved in kind of Mormonism publicly, Mormon culture. You know, it felt like early on, like, you know, Bob with the blogger knuckle, you know, we were all thinking about the promise of what the Internet could do. And then blogs started really proliferating and there was competition. And there was a time where like blogs were the thing, you know what I mean? Yeah. And there, there were these blog aggregators and yeah. people would get excluded from them or included. And Mormon archipelago. Yeah. People really paid attention to those things. And, and then at some point, you know, podcasts started to emerge and started to really get some traction. And it felt like the, the podcast started to really suck suck the life out of of blogging to some extent i thought you were just gonna um, leave it at suck <laughs> yeah well no and then the blogs are still going but it, they seem to have a lot less uh less gravitas than they used to and then facebook came and kind of blew everything up i'm not even mentioning the forums the internet forums that existed before the blogs and the podcasts and and, and these are all still going but then you know sometimes i feel like wow Look how far we've come in 10 years. There's like, you know, dozens of Mormon-themed podcasts, and the blogs are kind of petering out. Now now the church has finally come clean with its essays. I do think that all of us played a role in that. Uh, you know, that's just my opinion. You know, John Larson said recently that he felt that that was hubris, but I, I do think that, that, that we all kind of played a role. But then I have a hard time thinking about, you know, now the church has come clean on the essays— They've kind of drawn some lines in the sand. They're not going to budge on on homosexuality. They're not going to budge on women's ordination. Um, <clears throat> I kind of wonder where are we and where are we going? Is is everything going to keep really accelerating and, and things are going to kind of explode, or are are we all just going to kind of get tired and peter out? Like where are we and where do you guys think we're going? in terms of, you know, kind of social media and, and Mormonism. Any, anyone have, anyone want to take that on? I, I'll, I'll start. Just, I, I disagree that the LDS.org essays are progress. I mean, I haven't thought about it that much, but I, 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 is there anything new that they're providing that hasn't been out there in some form, even if it's a, a, an apologetic forum? Uh, I don't know. It just it doesn't. It doesn't seem like they're really owning anything. They're just saying, yeah, there's people out there that are saying negative stuff. Here's kind of what it is, but here's your answer to it so we can ignore it and move on. Nothing to see here. Well, I'll just, I'll just tell you my – let me jump in because I – so I read Fawn Brody. I read you know Michael Quinn. I read Grant Palmer all back in like 2000, 2001, right? Mm. But for some reason, the thing that was most that I remember as being most devastating to me was reading Richard Bushman's Joseph Smith and the Beginnings of Early Mormonism, because when you read when you read all that difficult history, but you're reading it through someone that isn't sort of church sanctioned, there's always in the back of your mind like, well, maybe it's not true and maybe it's being spun and, and maybe there's a way to get out of this. But for me, when a patriarch and the church's foremost authority on Joseph Smith is acknowledging all the hard stuff, for me, that's when 
that's when the, the cards really started falling. And so I would just say, I mean, I don't mean to disagree on Infants on Thrones, but I guess that's my job on Infants on Thrones is to disagree. So, Glenn, I'm going to say you're full of shit. Mm-hmm. And, well, and no, I'm just joking. <laughs> but, um, but, uh, but the reason why is because I think that I think that now we can point to LDS.org and say polyandry. And we can point to LDS.org and say the word Abraham doesn't appear anywhere in the papyra. Well, so I, like, I guess I guess then we're, we're asking, what, what are you defining as progress? You know, I mean, because to, if progress is just that the church is starting to own up to some of the, some of the difficult things from official anonymous sources on lds.org we still don't know exactly who it is they're not saying it over the pulpit in in, in general conference uh, th- this is it's like fair or farms 3.0 uh, that, that now it's on lds.org hidden where people can't really see it and it doesn't really you know it, it, it's an inoculation attempt so i you know if if they come out in general conference and you know ask holland next time you have lunch with him to to talk about this <laughs> the essays in general conference and and then i'll say yeah i'm full of shit but you know okay. ma- maybe maybe it's maybe it's a little bit of progress i see your point i just don't see that it's that monumental um it, but I, I i do agree that the the ease of access to information and people being able to get on and do podcasts like we have and other people have have created such a noise and clamor that the church has had to respond to it somehow and this is how they've respond to it but i i don't i don't know i don't get the progress i just don't see well, I'm it gonna, okay. i'm gonna agree with john because uh i i still go to church and the essays have been mentioned in sacrament talks well that's so, the question it, i had is um john um what what percentage of bishops, let's call them Mordor, Idaho, Utah, Arizona, and California, what percentage of the bishops even know they exist? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I want to say over half, but what do you think? Really? That's, gen- emailed, that's generous. I, I emailed my old bishop when the, when the polyandry one came out because he straight up told me that that was false. When I when I was going through my faith crisis, hmm. and so I, I emailed it to him and was really polite, and asked him if he if he had if he knew anything about it, and he didn't he didn't have a clue. And I know yeah. for a fact that our bishop in Bloomington right now has never even read the Book of Mormon, so I doubt what? he knows what's on LDS.org. <laughs> he's, he's my former father-in-law, so I, uh. I kind of know a little bit about him, but. Okay. Way to out him that way. Nice. That, well, that, well, that's not that, but that's not his reason that's for being typical, in the church. Though. It's not typical. Not it's not typical. Well, I think I think this kind of goes back to the question that John asked earlier about whether we'd like to see the church change or, or improve or burn down or whatever or wither. Um, and you know, in in terms of progress toward the church burning down or withering, I agree. It's not really, I mean, I, I, I can see Glenn's point. It's not like it's causing this mass exodus because it's not, it's not something that's well known, but in terms of uh, alleviating, vindicating um, the concerns that many who've had faith crisis such as ourselves have had and um, alleviating some of that uh, cognitive dissonance that some people feel, um, I think that it is progress. So, I guess that's me being yeah, diplomatic. But, but it's progress in the sense that uh, they had to put something out to say, look, we, we weren't hiding anything. Look, you know, it's only for people that are like struggling and uh, have come across information and they can just say, look, it, it's been here all along, uh, you know. And here are some more support beams for your shelf.
Right. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> but it's not something that is announced over the pulpit. Uh, and, yep. and I would submit that way less than 50% of the bishops uh, in the, just the United States alone, um, way less than 50% of the bishops have any clue that they exist. Because you can't just go to LDS.org and find them. You have to get a link to find them. Somebody has to send you a link. Right. They are I mean, carrying I, this shit as much as they can, as per their mo for the last fifty years. But but we're getting stuck on like the particulars of the here and now of a very specific moment in time. And I think John's original question is is really interesting. Like, where are we? What's happening? What's happened in the last ten years? Where where are the next ten years? Where are we going to go? What's what's the trajectory for Mormonism? And you know, I'm maybe the analogy guy. I like. I like making analogies. I think of Mormonism as as Fox News. Like it's never going to go away, or it'll take a long time for it to go away. And there's there's it's an older demographic that's participating the most. Um, but as people die off and younger people leave and find better sources, um, there's there's just going to be less relevance. So I think that we're seeing the hints of that. It's just going to take a while. And in the meantime, we've got. Just because I like the analogy, we like we have like John Larson playing the character of Bill Maher. We've got Brother Jake as Colbert. We've got Infants on Thrones as John Stewart. We've got John DeLynn. If I want to be if I want to be nice, I'll give you Anderson Cooper. If I want to be mean, I'd give you Wolf Blitzer. <laughs> and Anderson I, and I Cooper think, Ouch. I think, uh, on handsomeness, Ouch. I'd say. Yeah. Yeah, Anderson's, Anderson's quite the catch. No, we're all doing our own little thing, and, and it could be like just thoughts from the peanut gallery, and nothing's changing. Um, and I don't, you know, and I've, and, I, and I've seen, extending the analogy, I've seen John Stewart, you know, people call him out and be like, hey, are you, what are you doing? Are you just having a good time? Are you impacting change? Do you think, you know, people are listening? The government's going to change the but, but you're, situation. You're making in these analogies, but it's on a, on a much smaller scale. Oh, of course, of course. I'm just doing it for fun. It's not like we're really nearly as impactful because COB. I know. I'm just trying to get to a point where we can ask John about his numbers. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I mean, you want to know my numbers? Yeah. Should we, I, whip I, it out. I, I think. <laughs> I think any any given episode that we release within a let's just say a month of it being out probably is is at about forty thousand fifty thousand downloads. Wow! For the single it, episode, yeah, yeah, episode, yeah. Wow! Um, but but it but some go higher. Some some can go as high as eighty, eighty nine or hundred thousand. It just depends on whether it's like a really blockbuster episode or just kind of one of the run of the mills. But but for some reason the number forty fifty thousand on average after a month or a month or two of of the episode being downloaded is where I am and of course I don't know how many people how many actual listeners that represents but I do feel like I do feel like Mormon stories has penetrated within like in the U S let's just say three to five people in every ward have heard of Mormon stories oh for and, sure. Yeah. yeah. And so if you extrapolate that for how many wards there are in the U.S., I, I, I want to say 25,000, you know, it, we're, we're, I think, and, and that's just Mormon stories. There's Kate Kelly. I think she's reached even more people than I have in terms of just name awareness, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so I, I have a hard time. Sometimes I want to feel like all of us together, and I'm talking Sunstone Dialogue, Mormon History Association, the Bloggernacle, all the forums, all the podcasts. Sometimes I want to feel like we've really made a dent. 
And then sometimes I, I actually feel like we should just give up. We haven't even made a dent. And I honestly, but why? Like, but but John, I mean, because I think this is this is where our motivations are a little bit different. Like, what do you want to make a dent in, and why aren't you just doing it because you love talking with these people and you're getting really good stuff? No, I am not. I, I'm I'm not doing this for the money. I'm not doing this for the press. I'm not doing it for the media. I'm not doing it for the attention. I, I, I'm doing this for, for kind of what Scott said. I think every single Mormon on this planet has the right to know the factual record as it relates to the church's origins. And, and everyone should be able to make a conscious decision as to, with all the information on the table as to whether or not they want to engage. And if they have all the information and the context that, that allows them to see the information for what it is, and then they decide to stay a member, then I'm like, hooray, love your Mormonism. But if people are being held to Mormonism because of coercion or deception or because of pressure, then I think that's that's abusive, and I, I want I want people liberated, and that is why I'm that's why I've been doing it from the very first day, and that's why I'm still clinging to the podcast with my clenched fist. Well, and I think I think that's also you know you, you've been called the safe podcast, right? You you, you make you, you use this really cheesy intro music that drives me nuts every time I try and listen to it. <laughs> but it's it's to create that safe space where a, a, a Mormon who's never had to struggle with hard questions could come on and go, all right, I'm feeling a little awkward, but I'm going to push through. Whereas like coming on to Infants on Thrones, they'd be like, nah, uh-uh. no, no, that's too much, too much. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But, but, but sorry, it, sorry, John, uh, it, to me, it sounds like a, a little bit of a naive position. Uh, you cited uh, Michael Shermer earlier. Um, uh, why people believe weird things or, you know, he has a couple of books like that. Um, and one of the, one of his, um, points is that you can't reason people out of a position that they didn't reason themselves into in the first place. No, but he's just making information available. No, but Randy, I, I, I wasn't speaking comprehensively because that has been one of the, the, I don't want to say genius, of, but that has one of been the strategic objectives of Mormon stories. A story isn't just information. A story is this narrative that people take you on where as they take you on it, you not only gain information, but the story hooks you yeah. and you start to feel emotion. And so that's, that's why I've stuck so much to stories. That's why I started with stories because I felt like stories would penetrate deeper than factual information ever would. Well, that's a, that's a really good answer. Yeah, yeah, no. You I don't know that me, I've ever you, heard you, you put me in my place that way, John. You put I have me in not, my place. No, no, no. I'm not trying to put anyone in your place. I, no, but you did. I, in a <laughs> sense, it's easy. In a, <laughs> I mean, maybe I've been holding my cards a little bit close to my vest. I, I honestly, sometimes I feel like I'm the most authentic guy in the world, and sometimes I feel like I'm super dishonest and deceptive because I have had, <laughs> I have been trying to think strategically from the very start, and I've been trying to like be objective. But I know that I'm not objective, but I've tried to play both sides, but I know that I'm not on one side. But then I've genuinely had changes in my position over time, and I've had to try and mask that or, or think of the greater good. And, and sometimes I've been convinced one way or the other. So it's just been a huge mess for me. Mm -hmm. But through it all, 
through it all, I've wanted stories to penetrate with both information and emotion to then allow people to free them. I mean, I, the, the analogy I've always thought about is, is, is Harriet Tubman freeing people from slavery. And I'm not saying Mormonism is slavery, but I want to free them from the bondage of sort of unenlightened, unaware subjugation. You, you know, you, you, you want to provide the information so if people stumble across it, they can have access and then they can make a choice. And the emotional experience that right. disentangles them to the point where they might feel like they are awake enough and enlightened enough to then be able to make that conscious decision. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I've, uh, you know, and I even said this, Glenn, you said I'm very easy to put my place. I, just because I like um, teasing you. And that was one of the questions yeah. that people got. Why do we tease Randy? So it's because we love uh, you. It, it is because but, but, we love you. But one of the, one of the things that, uh, that I brought up in that podcast, uh, the truth seeking brain was you have to have an emotional break from the church at some level yeah. before you even entertain the information. And that, that's brilliant. Like John, I, like you totally uh, enlightened me on your approach and, um, and you've been listening for seven years. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. I, so, so I, I, I want to ask you, John, are, are you kind of, resigned to your fate at this point where you're you you see the writing on the wall you think excommunication it's gonna happen i i'm i'm not gonna try and talk my way around it this time if they're gonna bring it then bring it oh I, i'm i'm already there i mean i i've been, i was 100 percent candid with my former state president yeah um but but with this one i've been really obviously kind of kind of bold and strident with him both privately and and publicly, but you know, it's funny because you guys mentioned the briar patch in your in your interview, and it is one thing that's true, and that's that back back when Oaks gave his talk last October, that's two two October's ago now, that kind of sent me over the edge. Um, there was this moment where I was like sitting in a restaurant, and I said, uh, "I have to get comfortable with the fact that they might excommunicate me." Okay. That's it. Just I'm two, comfortable. Just two years ago? Well, it would have been about a year and a half ago, or I don't know. Still. But yeah, I, 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 I had to get to the point, and it did take me that long to get to the point where I said, you know what? If they excommunicate me, I'm okay with it. Because what happened was I was living under this illusion for many years. I was trying to, you know, influence, free the members was always my first goal, but help the church. If if the church could change as a as a byproduct, that would make me happy. You know what I mean? And so I always had this illusion that oh, they're getting more progressive on the gay issue. They're they're starting to be more open about their history. But when Oaks gave that talk that made it really clear that they were going to be doubling down on LGBT issues and and doubling down on other types of issues, and they were actually regressing and and trent, retrenching. That's when something snapped in me, and I said, as long as I felt like they were moving in the right direction to a significant degree, I'm going to be willing to work with them and try and help reform. But if they're going to double down, I'm done. And that's when it snapped for me, and I said, at this point, if they excommunicate me, I'll, I'll be okay with that. Because the, if they're going to double down, they're going to hurt too many people, and I'm not going to stand for that anymore. And that's when I... That's when I started doing more of the strident things. It's when I wrote Oaks Fail, you know, on Facebook. It's when I started saying, I'm going to do the unthinkable. I'm going to publicly criticize the church leaders and (laughs) and reap the whirlwind of that. And and it's it. I've been more and more uh, open and public ever since. And so, yeah, I've been ready for about a year or more 
feeling like I'll be at peace if they excommunicate me. But that that's that that's not to say that it, it's something that I want and that I'm begging for them to do because I think it's a brutal and inhumane process. There's still a huge chunk of me psychologically that still feels emotionally tied to Mormonism. There's still a lot of people that I think would feel hurt. And so it's always something where there's mixed motivations for me. And so when I hear you guys say that I'm acting like the the briar rabbit or whatever, it's true that there's a part of me that's like, bring it on. If you want to bring it on, bring it on. But there's another part of me that, that still feels like I'd be kind of sad, but overall, yeah. I, I made peace with that a little over a year ago. Yeah, but they've they've got a marge. They've got this is their own their last quiver, right? Their last shot to to marginalize you uh, to people who you can have influence on, like they did with Kate Kelly. Um, and you're you're kind of the last one there, John Larson. He's done it to himself. He resigned. He resigned. Yeah. He resigned. Yeah. Right. He did it to himself. We've done it to ourselves just by our tone, if nothing else. Well, we're, and we're, we're we're aiming for a. Ve- we've got very different objectives than I mean, what what John just talked about. Oh, absolutely. So, uh, you know, John. You, I, I know you used to hesitate to talk about times where you had met with Holland. You know, in 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 a, in a public thing. Do, do you still have those kinds of interactions? Like, do do you have like I I made the joke earlier about having lunch with him, but do you still have those kinds of interactions? Is that part of your life? Uh, no, no. Uh, I I've had two lunches with Elder Holland, and and no correspondence with them since. And uh, I I have emailed him on occasion. I definitely emailed Holland. When the day, when I found out Daniel Peterson was oh, writing the hit Peterson. piece, yeah, yeah. and I I I got the impression that uh, that Holland was involved in that whole deal of ultimately Daniel Peterson being removed. I don't have hard evidence of yeah. that, but I got some indirect evidence from people who were involved. But but then when I was then corresponding with my state president, the last real direct conversation I got. The stake president told an area authority to tell my stake president to tell me that Holland said to never, never mention him again in public in any way in association with me. Wow. <laughs> um, what, what was the timing of those meetings and his Book of Mormon crawl over, under, around? Was, was, can, oh, that was a long time ago. Holland gave that talk between my first and my second lunch with him. Oh, interesting. And that, that's what was so disappointing. Yeah. Because when I had my first lunch with Holland, I was so hopeful. He said he wanted a big tent. He wanted everybody in it. He, he seemed he very what progressive. <clears throat> what do you mean? He doesn't know what that means. He'd have yeah, a big tent. No, but, He's just trying I mean, to placate you. He was, but I felt like it was sincere at the time. Yeah. But then he gave that Book of Mormon talk, and I'm like, who is this guy? How in the world can he make me feel like he wants progressives in the church right. and then turn around and give that talk to the church? Yeah. So my second my second meeting, I was a little bit more strong with him, but I I ultimately just got the sense that he was a he was a bit of a politician, frankly. Right, you right. know, that he was really good at yeah. making people feel good yeah. when he was with them. One on one. But that you didn't get a real sense for the conviction of how he was going to act because he was going to act in whatever way he felt like it was going to benefit the church. What, what you know? did you think when – I mean I'm, I'm assuming you saw that BBC piece with him where he's sitting across from the interviewer and he's not doing well. Apostles rarely speak to the media, but I get to meet one of the quorum of 12, Elder Holland. Joseph Smith got these papyri and he translated them and subsequently as the Egyptian, Egyptologist cracked the code – 
something completely different. All I'm saying, all I'm, all I'm saying is that what got translated, got translated into the Word of God. The vehicle for that, I do not understand and don't claim to know and know no Egyptian. As a matter of historical fact, was Joseph Smith convicted of being a con man in 1826? I have no idea. There's a court record in New York, they, and we've got an email of it. They, there's a, there's a, a good deal of difficulty in the, in the early frontier life in America, but that's an incidental matter to the character and integrity of the man. Let's talk about Mitt Romney, okay. the man who may well become the most powerful man on earth. Mm -hmm. As a Mormon in the temple, I've been told, he would have sworn an oath to say that he would not pass on what happens in the temple, lest he slit his throat. Is that true? That's not true. That's not true. We do not have penalties in the temple. You used to. We used to. Therefore, he swore an oath saying, I will not tell anyone about the secrets here, lest I slip my throat. Well, the, the, the vow that was made was regarding the ordinance, the ordinance of the temple. It sounds Masonic, sir. It sounds Masonic. Well, it's comparable. It's similar to to, to a, a Masonic uh, relationship. The most potentially the most powerful man on the world has sworn an oath, which he meant at the time, whatever it is now, that he must not tell anyone about what he's seen, lest he slit his throat. That he would not tell anyone about his personal pledge to the Lord. I'm assuming that any religious candidate an evangelical, a Roman Catholic, Rick Santorum, Newt Gingrich, uh, Osama, uh, I mean, <laughs> uh, President Obama, uh, I'm assuming that anybody who has a relationship to God has made a pledge of some kind to God. There's, there, there'd be some kind of loyalty to God, or what kind of a God is that? We did talk to a number of people who've left the church, more than 30, and there is a massive gap between what they've told me and what you're telling me. Well, when we all, all get together, that'd help. We, if you'll give me that list, and if you want to sit with us, let's go get them together and let's talk. What they said to me, yeah. that they believe the Mormon Church is a cult. They believe it's a cult like the Church of Scientology, mm -hmm. but actually it's smarter and more powerful. <laughs> well, I guess if that's what they believe, it's probably a good thing they chose to leave it. Because we're not a cult. I'm not an idiot. You know, I, I've read a couple of books and I've been to a pretty good school. And I have chosen to be in this church because of the faith that I feel and the inspiration that comes. No, I'm not calling you a cult. I'm just saying that I've met people who right. used to be in well, the church. Well, I've, I've met people. And, and if people want to call us a cult, they can call us a cult and you can call us a cult. But we are 14 million and growing. And, and I'd like to think that your respect for me would be enough to know that this man doesn't seem like a dodo. Yeah, that, that was a huge confirmation of my experience with yeah. him because, because, yeah, he was totally not credible and he embarrassed himself. And I can see why none of the apostles have given a substantive interview since. Yeah. The, is that the dodo comment? Yeah, I've read a few books, and I think I, I know a pretty, pretty good school. I went to a pretty <laughs> good school. Yes. But, but he also said something there about, like, uh, you know, with, with the ex-Mormons who have criticism. He's like, well, get them together. Let's, you know, we'll have a talk. 
You know, yeah. and it's like to me that when you said the big tent Mormonism thing, John, that was what popped into my mind when he said that. Like he doesn't really know what it means to get everybody together and have a talk and let's really validate everybody's concerns. He can't. He can't possibly do that. And so, like, I I wonder how. Uh, devious any of these guys like Holland, the apostles are, or how just completely naive and faithful they really are to their callings and their sense of them themselves. And they just really are out of touch with pe- people who have, uh, have genuine concerns with, with, with the church. Do you have any insight, in, any insight into that? Uh, I, I think, th- I think it's mixed. I, I think more and more they, they have no, they have no cover. I mean, everything's out there so much and now the church is publishing it. The apostles had to, as I understand it, they actually reviewed and approved these essays. So they've got smaller and smaller cover to kind of claim like they're hiding behind. Um, but, but I, I do, I do think, I, you know, I think we're all speculating, but I think they, I think they just love the church and believe it's good and they'll do anything they can to protect it. And as Upton Sinclair said, it's hard to get a man to have a point of view when his livelihood depends on not having it. Yeah. And there's just way too much at risk for them to ever to concede or backtrack. And so I think they'll, they'll fight it to the end, but I think in the backs of their minds, they know that there's some serious problems. So, so like an elder Iring would kind of chuckle under his breath when president Monson is, uh, yeah, right. sworn in. As- <laughs> brother <laughs> yeah. Jack, we had, we had, we haven't talked about brother Jack as a cultural meme yet. I don't think that's penetrated. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't quite got there yet. Yeah. Well, I just, I just don't know why any of these, uh, grassroots, um, movements are surprised like Kate Kelly, uh, by the reaction. When you have an institution where the leaders are chosen by outliving their peers, so the the 15 most powerful people in the church, their morality um, and, and how they see the world is from the 50s and 60s. That's how old they are, you know. Yeah. And it's it's a it's a patriarchal uh, gerontocracy. And and I just I just don't understand how anyone thinks that a grassroots movement are going to move these men um, when when they're dealing with men that are old and entrenched. And the natural reaction of anyone, all of us, the natural reaction when your when your whole worldview is attacked is to retrench. So why is anyone surprised that they retrench? Well, I, don't, I just don't get that. I, I think it's because they're approaching it with their hope. And with their faith and their love of the church, then that's that that's what they want. They want to be and able I, to keep the church. And I bet a lot of them wouldn't describe their reaction as surprise, but as disappointment. I mean, you can still have that optimism and that disposition to act, even if you're not surprised if it doesn't necessarily work out for you. Yeah, but disappointment comes with uh, an actual hope. That right. it, would come, it would be otherwise. But they're not seeing the leaders the way that you're <laughs> so, describing them, Randy. They don't. Yeah, they don't not. see them that way. As like a gerontocracy that they're, you know, jockeying. I, I don't know why they don't. Uh, that's, <laughs> well, that's well the, I mean, it's it's strong. ordained like ordained women. They believe in the priesthood, right? So they believe at some level these are these men are inspired. That there's some divinity in in the structure. Uh, why dare. Why didn't you see it before you saw it? Um. Well, <laughs> uh, that's a good question. Um. Uh, I guess because 
Um, I, you know, it was something that was taught to me from since I was a little kid. But uh, and you loved you know, it, right? These are not these are not people that are ignorant of the facts. Were you? Once I was not ignorant of the facts, I left. Right, right. So these are people that are not ignorant of the facts. They know how the system works. They're they're educated. They're intelligent people. And then they look at it, and then they think they can exact change from a grassroots level. And then they're surprised or hurt that it doesn't work out the way they want it to. Um, so, like, if you're comparing 19-year-old Randy on his mission to Kate Kelly, that's not a fair comparison. Because you're a man. <laughs> no, Kate Kelly was way more informed. Kate Kelly is way more informed and intelligent than I was at 19. So you're, you're, you're trying to say, well, why didn't you see it when you were 19? I was just making a joke, Randy. Kidding, kidding. <laughs> yeah, yeah, stop getting your boxers in a bunch. <laughs> hey, redemption. Good job. Hey, redemption. Not all, not all men wear boxers, okay? Yeah, that's, all men. yeah I don't wear boxers. I wear not boxers. all men. Not all men. That's progress, but if, Bob. But if, my, you know, I think it, the, the, if Michael Quinn can still believe, then Kate Kelly can still believe. You know what I mean? It's well, not always the information that knocks people out, you know. And John yeah. Hamer, good point. Hamer doesn't believe like. Okay, okay. I I like should have just left it. <laughs> I should have just left it there. <laughs> All right, so so I have to. I I'm not trying to avoid questions, but but I want to ask one kind of last big question before I have you guys um, bear your secular testimonies. But um, <laughs> but uh, but so is something significant happening or not? You know, it have have we over the past 10, 20, 30, 40 years, depending on whether you start with B.H. Roberts or not, have we sort of put a chink in the armor? Is, is there That's a racist. crack? Is there a crack? In, <laughs> is there a crack in the foundation of Mordor? Like, you know, it, are we on something significant or really are we all just a drop in the bucket? Yeah. And the church is gonna and the church is gonna continue powering on. We do need to get and, Krista the psychic on to answer this no, question because she's she, <laughs> she will tell think? us that we're part of a movement. I can tell you what she would say. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, it's statistically significant. Whether or not it's ultimately significant in the long run to have real uh, global impact on the church, I, I don't know that that's the case. But it it certainly is having impact uh, on a scale that has never been seen before. And I think that'll continue. So there will be a nice large uh, or a larger percentage leaving the church than ever did 20, 30 years ago. But ultimately that, that number is a drop in the bucket. So both things are true. It's okay, significant. So it's, it's statistically significant, but a small effect size is what yeah. you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. I co-sign co that because I, I think there's a parallel here to the to the Mormon narrative of where we are in eternity and how this moment of time is the most important ever. Don't screw up right now, even though you exist forever. That's a coincidence. And I think humans tend to just do that by default is to be like, oh, the last 10 years of what I've done in the world, how big is it? And the truth is, is it's nothing. But relative to a tinier framework that you're that you, that you construct sure there's been a little bit of change but it's it's really nobody cares what are we like five million active people nobody cares right in the grand scheme of things right i mean i i do think that the things like the book of abraham essay for example i mean sure there's a lot of apologetic nonsense in there but there's 
But it is significant that they would acknowledge the existence of the papyri and the fact that they don't match the the you know the scholarly understanding of the writings don't match what's in the Book of Abraham at all. I think that I mean these are significant details, but I think it's kind of a correlation causation problem where we're all reacting to the same thing, and that thing mm-hmm. is the internet. So the church. So. The the birth of the blogging and podcasting that was enabled by the internet, as well as the threat that that uh, w- the stimulus that caused um, that eventually led to these essays. That's also the internet, but it's not that that isn't to say that the podcasting or the blogging influenced the essays directly. It's just they're all kind of happening together as part of a larger trend that's going on. Yeah, I, I'm I'm expanding my my view right now and i'm thinking about uh the the invention of the printing press and the effect that that ultimately had on the demise of catholicism you know a branch off of protestantism it you know so maybe the internet as a mechanism in 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 the big picture will have a significant impact like the printing press did and move people more towards secular humanism that's possible but i but i still think you know bob's got a very valid point that we've got to be careful that we're not patting ourselves on the back too much for this moment in time um you know we're taking advantage of a medium that is relatively new um and, and I, I think we'll probably see the, the the ripple effect of that and the ramifications more um, in in later years. But uh, it could it, it could have a bigger impact than maybe at first glance I thought it did. Anecdotally, I would say things are different now, and they're becoming it, it's becoming more and more so all the time in terms of every Mormon circle that I'm in, meaning you know my my wards growing up. Excuse me, growing up, or or uh, people from my mission, or people that I knew in college, um, there are people in those groups that I know that are leaving the church. Every single one, and those people all have resources on the internet that they can go to. They all have books that they can order online and read, and they all have community outside of the church that are that are nearby them that they can reach out to. And ten years ago. 15 years ago, that wasn't the case. Those books hadn't been written. Um, the communities didn't exist. There wasn't an, uh, any kind of anything you know, major going on online. Um, and I think that is a game changer in terms of what's going to happen. I don't think it's exponential, um, but it's going to be on the increase. And I think the end game for all this is going to be um, a more retrenched, more uber-conservative um, LDS church going forward. Um, I, I, I just think people that are more liberally uh, disposed will find those things, will leave, but that's just all that's going to do is leave the more strident um, right-wing the, conservative people. I think the church is going to become more and more extremist. Um, but do you think they've become more extremist in the last Year you've, got, you've got the three? Maxwell Institute kicking out Daniel Peterson and those guys. You've got Terrell Givens and Fiona Givens' book being sold front and center at Desert Book. You don't think that's going to have an impact? Um, I, to, to the average member that I know, no. Huh. See, I've heard just the opposite. I've heard, I've heard average members talking about how they don't like that the church is becoming more liberal, how they're toning things down on gays, how they're, you know, there was a friendly article in the, in the church news about Muslims. And 
I heard people complaining about it, you know, like, well, why is the church promoting that kind of a thing? Um, so I think the church right now is in just an incredibly awkward position where they've got this huge inertia of their membership of what they've all been raised on. And then they've got their PR and their, and their public side in terms of what they have to do. Um, and they're just, they're just getting spread apart. Interesting. So John, you envision a church, um, that becomes more like the community of Christ. No, I, you know, I, I honestly have no idea. That's why I feel like I'm going crazy sometimes because sometimes I feel like, the, the church is going to make progress, and sometimes I feel like it's just going to get worse, and sometimes I feel like it's just going to stay the same, and I honestly have no idea, you know? Right, no because idea. it does things that make you indicate, oh, if you try to read the tea leaves, it's, oh, there's progress here, and then there's, you said, the, the Oaks talk, and you say, okay, it's going to get worse, and it's even going to become, you know, it's going to go back to the to the 80s and the Dark Ages, and then there's progress again, and so that, I mean, I have I have that schizophrenic reaction as well, because I'm... Because that's what they do. They- well, even when they give a talk that seems like, like, like liberal Mormons get right. all excited Oop, over yeah. is, is uh, Uchtdorf's talk. And in the end, he says, doubt your doubts. Um, you know, it's, it's basically, you know, the same message. Uh, just um, they're reacting to uh, a lot of outside social pressures like John DeLynn. And, and you know, they, they, they want to give lip service but really, they're just retrenching. I, I, I seriously think because of the structure of the institution, they are fundamentally unable to be progressive in any way. And they're just going to get smaller and more and more conservative because uh, the other people will leave. And I really believe they want us to. They they don't want us back. They want – they're just as happy to have they're, – they're thrilled I'm not teaching – uh, gospel doctrine anymore um they're they're thrilled that we're not there i, I believe well, that well when you say they i don't even know what that means because uh, fair enough the yeah at least the the 12 and the people who how about this curtin mcconkey's thrilled <laughs> well because <'cause, laughs> can, can you tell me the last general conference that was like really uh progressive the general conference is really the thermometer or the barometer of of, of where the church's direction is going. And we're always citing general conference talks as the things that uh, disappoint us. No, you get a mixed bag every conference. Yeah, Uchtdorf. Uchtdorf will say something yeah. good. Then Christopher, Neil Anderson will give something awful. And, you know? and my church leaders <laughs> in, my, in my ward and in my stake, they're still inviting me to take callings. And they know where I, they know where I stand. So what does that tell you? They don't have a lot of people. They don't respect you. <laughs> they don't respect me. Thanks, Glenn. <laughs> yeah, All right, so you guys ready. aren't you guys aren't bullish or bearish on the church. You're just kind of you think it's going to sputter along. Is that right? Yeah, yeah pretty it's much. Gonna, yeah, it, it'll continue. the The stone without hands will kind of <laughs> limp. move, limp, limp forward, <laughs> and not really be stopped, but not be anything <laughs> of consequence to many people. Just like every stone, it peters out. Do, do you guys ever look at world events? And like fall back into your Mormon think and go, oh, it could be the end is coming. The end is here. 
Yeah, there was going to. It did say there was going to be all this weather change. There, there was going to be all this conflict in wars. the Middle East. You know, you know, all wars and rumors of wars and all this stuff. Earthquakes in diverse places. But the moon is red tonight. It said it was going to turn it to blood. Like, did, does that ever cross anybody's mind? No, no. not even a little bit. <laughs> not mine. Really. It crosses not my mind. <laughs> all right, so let's name, uh, name a time when there wasn't wars or rumors of wars. Right. Name one time. In the Middle East. <laughs> yeah, war, war, the history of mankind is a history of war. Um, okay, so, uh, so. And it's real, getting better. Things are actually getting better. Is. John, it's didn't perfect. you write something recently? I did. Uh, on that, I, I read that and I, I've, I've, I've articulated that and you did a better job than me, but things are better than they things have ever been. Things are better. All right, so the future of Infants on Thrones. If you guys had to predict how long it will survive, you know, six months, a year, five years, and do you guys have anything cool in store for our listeners to kind of look forward to? <laughs> well, Let's put a tie back. It'll last as long as it'll last. Yeah. I, I, there's no signs of it slowing down. I feel like uh, I think I think it's easy to commit for a couple more years pretty easily, but that's kind of as far out as I ever say about anything in my life. I, I think overall we've been pretty resistant to adding core members like promote you know even though we have people that that can be regular contributors maybe it, like if if you go out more than a, a couple of years you might see some of us kind of lose interest and go okay I'm I'm not going to be involved and other people add that could happen but I don't know I don't know it's 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 hard it's hard to see that as far as anything the reason I was chuckling for something fun is because we've been talking since J- July about doing Little Factories the musical as like a, oh, yeah. a, a Christmas gift for everyone, nice. and we even came up with like this this Scrooge uh, type storyline. And then you know I didn't tell you guys this, but last Saturday I was watching the Nutcracker, and I thought, oh, the Nutcracker, the Nutcracker, the Nutcracker. Yeah, but you know I don't. I, that's as far as it's gone, so I don't think it's actually ever going to happen. <laughs> no, but we haven't come we'll up pick with some anything. other holiday to yeah, yeah. So, blow the deadline so off too. Look for it coming to a, a feed near you, December 2015. Yeah. <laughs> so it'll last as long as it lasts. I, yes. I've, try, I've tried to leave a couple of times, but Glenn keeps calling, uh, keeps talking <laughs> me back on. What? Back on? Oh, come on! You know, you, Tom, you remember my email? Uh, I'm done. Uh, I don't want to talk about Mormonism anymore. <laughs> I don't remember that. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't remember why you changed your mind. I was just glad you did. Yeah. That's because yeah. Glenn, Glenn contacted me. Well, but apparently, but, but, he's got amnesia about it. Yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah, but my response is then don't talk about Mormonism. Let's yeah, just talk about shit we like to talk about. That it would always, be my it always, it always comes back to Mormonism because that, right. that's our whole experience. Right, which is why we continue to talk about it. But and, and and why Jake just got so pissed off at the Book of Abraham Smackdown is, is like, the more we look at it, the more we're like, uh, actually, I have the same problem when I watch um, the Daily Show and Colbert Report. I get so angry at my conservative family, <laughs> and I'm just like, this is so unhealthy, that, you know, and uh, and so the more we talk about Mormonism, the more. Um, the, or the less charitable I am towards uh, my believing friends and family members that they believe well, this with, stupid I shit. That. And I, it's I, unhealthy. Yeah. It's like I, it poisons the well of my relationships. And I, and I sometimes I just want to get away from it. 
And, uh, and even though Glenn doesn't remember, um, I basically sent in my resignation email and, uh, and he talked me back into it to come back. So I probably yeah. just didn't even realize that you were serious. Come back. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, baby, come back. Baby, come back. Any kind of fool could truly see. There was something in everything about you. Baby, come back. You could blame it all on me. I was wrong. I was wrong. Baby, baby come back. Baby. So this is my official resignation. I'm done. Oh, okay. uh, whoa! <laughs> Don't do it, Randy. The but but, but you're gonna do that. You're gonna do that Saturday's Warrior Minisode that we've been talking about for a while, right? That when your kids were watching it and they're like, "What is this?" For like six months. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> and 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 the funerals. You got to do the funerals one. And then I'm done. And and then what? What? what you were going to do one with my sister? Which one was that one? That's on. That, that was the one on funerals. Oh, because she's going to like hand you your lunch on that one. She's so ready. <laughs> and the yeah, euthanasia. That's funny. So scared. Oh, euthanasia. Yeah, euthanasia. And yeah. I had an idea for you, Randy, but I'm, on, I'm going to hold it for 2016. <laughs> yeah, you're not done, Randy. Sorry. That's awesome. No one's taking me seriously. <laughs> All right, fellas. Well, let's end. As you guys know, I always end. You got to leave your listeners with something you believe with your secular testimony, uh, infants on throne style. So um, I'm gonna I'm gonna start with uh, I'm gonna start with Jake. Jake, give our listeners something you believe as a as a closing thought. Um, well, I I, um, I actually have a, a minisode of Brother Jake Bears' testimony. Um, nice. So that that would be one to look up uh, where I bear my testimony about the scientific method. But that's you know um, that's all good. Uh, but something I believe I believe in. Um, although I don't believe in in uh, absolute morality, I do believe in objective morality. I believe that I believe in in humanism. I believe that we can um, find. Uh, solutions and we, we can reach um, consensus as a society to uh, bring the most amount of utility to the mo- to the largest number of people and and we can come together we have the the fortitude within us to be able to um, care for those around us without necessarily expecting something in return some sort of eternal reward and uh, I believe that that um, we have that that empathy wired in us and and we can pursue that so i i guess morality outside of religion that's my that's my testimony all right, uh, all right. excellent liked it no it's good all right tom you're next oh uh <laughs> i would i think people should laugh more they should have more fun enjoy life my my wife kids around with me because it, it's one of the joys that I just thoroughly enjoy is just making her laugh. It's like a challenge that I have, you know, even if it's a dumb joke or something. But she told me the other day, she's like, you know, the littlest things seem to make you so happy. And that is the absolute truth. Just the tiniest little gestures, this, the tiniest little things. Sometimes when I'm listening to a podcast, sometimes when I'm listening to music and just something brings a smile to my face and gets me through the day. I can hang on to that moment for quite a while, and it carries me to the next moment, to the next. Um, 
and that's really what I hold on to the most right now, just because all this, you know, transitioning out of the church, the having to accept this <laughs> Shit large, <sandwich>. yeah, the <laughs> large level of uncertainty. It's just, it's overwhelming. It, it's just, it can be, it, it's just too, too much to bear for me personally. And so, you know, I, I find little diversions. I find little things to enjoy. I, I love my family, my kids. They mean everything to me. And I just, it's like I, I hold them closer now than I ever did. And I think that's a good thing. So, I don't know, I guess my testimony would be is enjoy the little things and hold your family and your friends close. Yeah. Nice. All right, Bob? So, when I decided to tell my family that I had left Mormonism. And so I was kind of, you know, living in the, living a double life Mormon style for two years. Um, when I wrote them a letter, I, I wanted to let them know like the things that still matter to me, even if the church had fallen away in my life. And so it's like a quick list, but here's, here's just a smattering of the things that, that matter to me that I, that I believe hold value. Um, self-sustainability, change for the better, Humor, comedy, and drama, love and family, doing good for others, experiencing the world, knowledge, and last but not least, pleasant interactions with friends, acquaintances, and strangers. Nice. It's like a value statement. Yeah. Very nice. Oh, you got to post that somewhere, Bob. And Bob. (laughs) All right. Scott. Sure. Two things, um, live authentically and be, be out. Just, I, I personally was not out for too long and it was damaging, more damaging than it needed to be. It's damaging enough. Um, it's fine to take your time, but I would encourage anybody who is not out, who doesn't have, um, the ability to you know, have that, have that open door with people in their lives to take that step. It's really hard, but it's totally, totally worth it. And don't, don't put up with that for too long in your life because it sucks. Um, second thing is people, even though they can be really awful sometime, sometimes I have a really deep, um, belief and a faith in people in, in their inherent goodness Um, and that when you're real with people that, that reaps huge rewards, um, at the end of the day, our relationships are really what we care about. We really don't care a whole lot about, um, much else, but if we, if we have good relationships with people that we love, then that's what's important. So cultivating that and trying to keep that as, as, um, authentic as we can, that's, kind of what my life's about now nice all right matt yeah echoing some things but personal relationships and the concept of impermanence makes those personal relationships just that much more special uh and important um you know i i sometimes i think the idea of uh, eternal relationships and the eternity actually cheapens what we have here and so those two 
those two things I believe in, that sometimes relationships are, well, in, in every instance, relationships are impermanent, and that's okay. And sometimes they're impermanent because we get upset with each other, and we just can't maintain friendships or relationships the way that we we could. But in the period of time where we have them, they are so important and so meaningful. Uh, some of my closest friends in the world I uh, don't see on a regular basis and, and may not hang out like I ever did before. But uh, but the period of time when I did, it was it was special and it was important. And, you know, I hope to be with my wife for as many years as I'll be alive. But at some point that won't happen. But, um, you know... It's okay because we are together, and we see each other now. <laughs> we're we're together, and and the appreciation of that with friends and family and um, even coworkers and just laughing with people is uh, that's what I believe in is finding those those moments and appreciating them uh, for what they are, which is very very brief. Uh, very, very impermanent, uh, but yet really, really special. Nice. All right, Randy. Uh, well, I'm a secular humanist, so um, I believe that moral questions should be subjected to um, logic, reason, and evidence as best that we have, but also infused with a heavy dose of human empathy. Um, that's, that's how I live my life. Um, I, um, I, I just, um, I also believe that getting rid of the eternal perspective really intensifies, um, the importance of the here and now. Um, like for example, I, I know that my kids have only one childhood and there's, there's no throne in heaven for them, you know, uh, if you know so and and at one point i my my kid that's six years old um almost drowned um on my watch and it was a horrific horrific experience um but because of that experience um i'm even more acutely aware of how precious his childhood is and so i try to spend as much time as as i can with my kids um so um i guess those are my pillars. Um, it kind of echoes what Matt said. Um, really appreciate what you have now and, and, you know, appreciate it to its fullest. And, and the other is the morality issue. So that, nice. that's what, those are the things I hang my hat on. Beautiful. All right, Glenn, bring us home. Well, I, I think, you know, we, we do a lot of mocking and, criticizing uh in in what we do and i i think there's a a place for that and i think it's important that if you're gonna dish it out you got to be able to take it and uh so when you're doing that there has to be like an element of charity in what you do and this is going to sound like i'm making a joke but i'm really not because this this was a formative uh aspect of of mormonism that that charity if you don't have charity you're nothing Right and charity suffereth long, and is kind, and envieth not, and is not puffed up, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. 
beareth all things, believeth all things, eh, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, if you have not charity, you're nothing, for charity never faileth. Cleave unto it. It's the greatest thing of all. I think that's, I think that's pretty good. Pretty good Moroni, cha- Moroni chapter 7, verse 45. Yeah, and it's also kind of word for word and somewhere in the King James, too, which is amazing. <laughs> uh, that's it's that weird. True. It's, it's that, weird how that happened. It was that important that we get this <laughs> but, message. But, Glenn, speaking of mockery and criticism, you could sub in obedience, and that would still, like, be totally Mormon, too. I mean, it's, you know, the way we, whenever we talk about anything, it's the most important charity. First oh, that's a perlative part of it? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's two it's two AM now. I'm kinda losing Oh. <laughs> well, in the in the spirit of infants on thrones, I'll just say that you all sound like a bunch of girls. Oh yeah! <laughs> oh, you know that was pretty. It takes weak, one to know one. Oh my gosh! Mm. Yeah. I'll take that uh, as a compliment. <laughs> oh, the feminists are going to kill me. Okay, so I'd like to thank all the listeners uh, who stuck with us for four freaking hours. Um, I want to thank you said all freaking. You. I know okay. fetching. <laughs> fucking fuck fuck fuck. Um, Thanks for sticking with us, listeners. Thanks to this uh, awesome panel, uh, Infants on Thrones. You guys are doing great work. I love it. And uh, I appreciate you giving me a chance to interview you. And uh, all the listeners, please check out infantsonthrones.com. Please show them a good, friendly Mormon stories bump uh, because their work is really quality stuff and it's worth listening to. And, uh, you know, I hope you guys will join us on the on the Mormon stories blog to to give your comments but i'm sure you'll post this at your blog too so let the conversations rage on but i just i think you guys are all amazing i appreciate all you've done um and i really look forward to what you're going to do in the future so thanks for coming on thank you john thanks john thanks john hello and welcome to another edition of Mormon Stories Podcast. I should probably say a very special edition of Mormon Stories Podcast because today we have uh, in store for you something the likes you've never heard probably on Mormon Stories Podcast before. Um, today we are going to be interviewing uh, the, the quorum from what is becoming uh, one of the most interesting and compelling podcasts uh, Podcasts within Mormonism, and that's saying a lot because these days in 2014, there are a lot of Mormon-themed podcasts out there. But today I'm going to be interviewing the uh, PERMA panelists from the Infants on Thrones podcast. Uh, You can check them out at infantsonthrones.com, and it's a panelist of, uh, of, I don't know, several... uh, White guys, basically. Uh, but they're all really Dude cool bros. and interesting. <laughs> What's that? Dude bros. Dude bros? Yeah. I think that's the feminist term. I like it. I like it. Um, that was Matt, by the way. Uh, but but the panelists on uh, Infants on Thrones podcasts are Glenn, Matt, Scott, Randy, uh, Bob, Jake, and Tom. And they're all with us today. And uh, I'm super excited. Um, a couple little, you know, a couple little things about the podcast just to kind of give listeners a heads up. It's, um, 
It's definitely lively. Uh, we listen to Infants on Thrones. But you can't listen to Infants on Thrones. Why? I'm too little. Because they don't use very good language, do they? There's a little bit. Uh, occasionally, a swear word might slip out. So I just want to give my listeners a warning we'll, that we'll, there's a we'll chance. Bleep. We'll bleep for you, John. We'll, we'll yeah, use some, the, some nice sound effects. I'm not, yeah, well, you know, I'd say let's keep it real. I'll just put an explicit warning well, in could case you, something Maybe you comes could give up. us an example of some of the words that you don't want us to say. <laughs> <laughs> that, like if there's a list, fun. for example. Okay. Yeah, yeah. The seven words you can't say. <laughs> well, that, that, that's act, that actually brings me to the first there, question. There, but there, there, there's podcast. 50 bucks in this for me, John. I'll split it with you. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. If, <laughs> well, that was actually going to be my first question is, are you guys going to be swearing tonight on my podcast? Nothing destroys the charm of a meal more quickly. Don't discuss unpleasant topics such as gruesome sights or sounds. Be yourself. Just be sure it's your best self. I usually base it on, on how Randy feels. So if Randy starts swearing, I just follow suit and it, and it goes from there. Randy, what's your answer? Yeah, I've kind of uh I'm kind of the flag bearer on the swearing. Um it's it's kind of a little uh kind of a remnant of uh my Mormon experience. I had a hard time as a Mormon with all of the moralizing of things that I didn't think mattered about your moral character. So I've kind of made that my my signature. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I'm adaptable. I don't swear in front of my patients. No, no, no. If you don't want me to swear, I won't swear. No, no, no. I had, I put this question first because I had dreams of one of you answering. No, we got it. (laughs) There it is. 50 bucks. You guys totally disappointed me. And we can just put that audio clip wherever we want. Yeah. (laughs) No, you guys are free to swear on this podcast. And uh, I don't need you to bleep it. And I just warn my listeners that there will be swear words in this episode because that's partly what Infants on Thrones is all about. So So there will be like one Mormon Stories episode on iTunes that has the explicit label on it. And that'll be ours. Wow. You'll You'll be the one. Nice. Uh, you had uh, you had Bent Washburn on, and, right. and there was some swearing. Yeah. And did you put explicit on that? That's irresponsible. That's pretty irresponsible <laughs> of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, All we right. hope swearing's not forced, but that it just comes out in order to season the language, in order to add the right emphasis. No, with you guys, I'm sure it's completely natural. Yeah, we have the entire English language at our disposal. <laughs> right, everyone. Yeah. Yep. All right. Um, so uh, this is going to be interesting because there's so many of you, and I've got like three pages worth of questions. But let's just jump right in. Um, so uh, th- there, for those who haven't heard If It's on Thrones podcast, and I'm going to guess that there's a decent-sized portion of my audience who haven't. Uh, Glenn, how would you describe the podcast to the listeners who haven't listened to it? Wow. Um, I, well, I, I think our official tagline that we have written on the website is it's an – I should read it. I don't know. It's like an entertaining <laughs> episode or podcast about self-discovery or something like that. I don't know. I mean, we just, we're just guys who like to talk with each other and uh, Mormonism's a common thread. But we like talking about different things besides Mormonism as well. I mean, it usually comes back to it. And so I don't know. We, we just do it because it's fun. Yeah, yeah. And I and you know, if I had to characterize it, it's it's a bunch of guys that kind of like each other most of the time. Uh kind of being rowdy, kind of being rambunctious, 
letting letting the swear words fly, but also doing some pretty interesting and 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 spirited analysis and debate and discussion. It's almost like you guys are at a bar drinking. Maybe sometimes you actually are drinking. Maybe some of you are actually drinking tonight. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Cheers. Um, nice. Um, but uh, I think it's really well done. Also, I just have to say, and we'll talk about this later, Glenn. It, it's it's certainly it's been inspired by uh, Radio Lab, right? The ed- in terms of the editing and the sound. Okay. All right. <clears throat> You're listening to Radio Lab. Radio Lab from WNYC and NPR. Yeah, is that fair to say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Radio Talk about Lab, that just for a second. Well. So when when we were when we were starting out, we we've been doing this for about two and a half years. And when we first started out, that radio lab was really what we were aiming for. And okay, on oh, three, oh, we'll do five. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, ready? Five, 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 four, four, three, three two, two, one. one. <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> if you go back and listen to some of our first few episodes, they're highly edited, uh, you know, putting different people's stories in and, and narrating in between. And that became so cumbersome, it almost was a disincentive to producing episodes. So we, we kind of moved away from that a little bit. But I, I think we still, uh, you know, it, it's mainly now just in interjecting pop culture references or if we're talking about. Uh, you know something that you can find on YouTube. Then we go and we get on get the audio from YouTube and and we put that on. Um, so yeah, it's it's not exactly Radio Lab, but it kind of started off more that way than I think it is now. Okay, but it's still got a nice. I, I still like the flair of the editing. So um, so cool. All right, so we've got a lot to cover tonight. Let's just begin by having each of you give a brief introduction about yourself. You know, no no more than a minute, but just tell us a bit about. Just some high-level details about about your life, Glenn. We'll we'll start with you. Um, jump in. <sighs> okay, um, I live in Indiana, and uh, I've been out of the church. Like I haven't I haven't really attended church for maybe two or three years. Uh, I, I really loved the church when I was in it. I mean, there were things that I, I didn't like the church culture, but I was really interested in doctrine and exploring doctrines. And that's something that I'm still interested in. And it kind of drove my my academic pursuit. So when I got off my mission and I, I went to BYU, I studied English and then I got interested in folklore. And that's what brought me out to Indiana. Uh, but then I stopped academia. I started working for uh, a medical device company that's local here. And now I have a job where uh, I travel a lot, so some of the episodes that that we've done, uh, I've actually been in other countries when we've recorded it. Um, but uh, yeah, that that's me. I, I'm totally interested in in Mormonism, interested in looking at things from different perspectives, and uh, I just still find all that really engaging. Yeah, and served your mission in Japan, right? Japan, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's when you and I first started collaborating is when you were in Japan. Is that right? Not as a missionary, but, but no, no, yeah, no, yeah, no a, I, I lived in Japan for three years. Um, yeah. 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 That, those are my first memories of you is, is when you were living in Japan. Yep. 
Cool. All right. And you've only been to jail once, according to what I've heard. Is that right? 24 <laughs> hours. Yeah. That's true, actually. Yeah. There's a research. Woo! Yeah. Yeah. It, no, it doesn't I, take I, much to Google and find it. But yeah. No, I didn't Google you. I, uh, I listened to the My Mormon Expression episode. Oh, I think well, you I talked, talked about, about it yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. That was a good episode. All right. Matt, you're next. All right. Um, well, I'm a, I'm an attorney by trade. I live in Arizona, born in the church, raised in the church, married in the church, did my mission, and um, for all intents and purposes left, uh, what, three, four years ago? Haven't been, really haven't been back to church for all intents and purposes in three, four years. Um, that's, does that sum me up? That's, that's pretty weak, but... Um, I love, I'd still love talking about Mormonism. I love talking about it with all different types of people from believers to uh, to these guys here. And it seems to creep up no matter how you know, very uh, – what, uh, Michael Corleone, no matter how far I feel like I'm out. They pull me back in. Yeah, so there's always something to, yeah. to, to discuss. But more importantly, it's just – it's influenced and affected so much of my life that it creeps in in almost everything so why not talk about it yeah i'm with you yeah my wife's yeah. with me and my wife left left about the same time as i have and uh, uh she's she, without her i don't know where where i'd be we have we have fun on this journey together yeah and Matt, is, are you okay talking about uh the legal work you do because i think that's super interesting yeah, I you know I try not to talk about it very much on the podcast because I never want it to come off as if I'm uh, speaking for anyone. But I'm a criminal attorney uh, by trade. I'm a trial attorney by trade. Uh, my expertise is in sexual related crimes and uh, child crimes, as well as homicide and death penalty cases. Yeah, that that would be a fascinating uh, podcast interview in and of itself. If uh if there was an opportunity, but yeah, uh, that's cool that's, stuff. That's why we call him Batman. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and uh, one of the, it, it, actually, one of the things I've done the, the past well, two years has been involved with failure to report sex cases in religion and specifically the LDS church. Yeah. Very cool stuff. Yeah. All right. Happy, happy, bright stuff. Yeah. That's good. It's important stuff. All right, Scott, tell us tell us a bit about you. Yes, sir. Uh, let's see. Born and raised in the church as well. Went on my mission to Korea. Um, had my faith crisis about five and a half years ago when I got called to be in the Elders Quorum Presidency. Um, didn't stop attending until about one year ago. Um, so I think I've probably um, on on the more recent end of the spectrum, at least in terms of our panel of when I, in terms of my attendance at church, but, um, yeah, I just really have enjoyed the podcast and in in making friends and getting to talk about interesting things and having, having cool guests on and getting to do stuff like this. It's just a, it's a fun side project. And part of what makes it fun is that none of us take it too seriously. So, you know, And Scott, I think your I think your legal work is also kind of interesting. Do, are you comfortable talking about that? Real yeah, quick? sure. I'm a, yeah I'm an attorney. I'm in private practice, so um, I do about eighty percent of my practice is family law, and I also do 
uh, some criminal defense work, but kind of my bread and butter is is divorce, custody, um, you know, real nasty, contentious family court uh, stuff like that. I was in court today on two hearings, so yeah, it's a kind of kind of a, a a different side of humanity that I get to see every day. Yeah, and I'll I'll just say that I I remember meeting Matt and Scott both first during the one Mormon Stories conference that we held in Phoenix. And uh, I just have to say that that Scott and Matt, along with a bunch of other really cool folks, started um, a support group for, for Mormons and post-Mormons in Phoenix. It's grown to over 500 members, and I think it's one of the most inspiring examples of of uh, how, how a, a community of post-Mormons and of, and of active Mormons and everyone in between can get together and really help each other out. And um, I just want to give you guys a shout-out about that. And if anybody lives in kind of the Phoenix area and is looking for a great group of people to hang out with, Matt and Scott are part of a really cool group. Um, it's called Phoenix Open Mormons, right? Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. I appreciate the plug. No, it's good stuff. Um, all right, Randy. Um, I was uh, born in the church, uh, one of seven kids in Southern California, went on a mission to exotic Tempe, Arizona, and um, married in the temple, and left the church intellectually probably about five years ago, stopped going about four years ago, and three years ago sent my letter of resignation. Um, as far as my podcasting, basically, John, you created my career in podcasting. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Mormon Stories. My name is Dan Weatherspoon, and I'm very pleased today to interview Randall Snyder. Randy Snyder, we'll call him, and that's what he always goes by. Randy, why don't you say hi so people get to know your voice? Hello, everybody. Uh, it never occurred to me until you asked me, after I'd been an atheist for all of one year, to represent all... <laughs> post-Mormon atheists on, on, your, on your podcast. It uh, resulted in a six-hour long droning podcast. Um, and Randy, you're, you're the only one of us that's actually resigned from the church, right? The, the rest of us haven't well, done that. Always, yeah, I've done it. I don't know about the rest of you. I don't think any, anybody else has. So I'm the only one that's officially resigned. Yeah. And uh, uh, I sent my letter to a lot of people, and uh, everyone loved it except for Glenn. He laughed. Just laughed in my face. We need to do an episode on it too. Like we want to do like one on our exit stories. And I want to, I want I want to get your letter on there. Yeah, he basically was. He he didn't use this analogy, but the analogy basically that he used was uh, I was like a dog barking at a train going by. <laughs> but you it's know, a gauge. It, it's basically it, a gauge, right? Well, I felt good. I felt good barking. The barking felt good. But yeah, that's that's my story. I'm the I'm the one who's. Uh, on this podcast considered the strident atheist, which I take exception with that. That uh, You know, I've decided you, it's that way because you self-identify that way so often. So if you just stop no, saying it's... it, it would stop <laughs> true. All right. I replace you as the strident angry well, atheist. You're, you, you definitely replaced me as the biggest asshole. That's not true. Bob's here. Whoa, whoa. No, Matt, I, I can't hold a candle to your assholery. False. <laughs> okay, moving on. Now, Randy, Randy, you and I first met. I remember you reaching out to me with with your buddy um, Adam. Adam. Yeah, and we. Yeah, I, I remember. Like early on, was it you or Adam who was struggling? We kind of had a couple Skype sessions to try and kind of talk through some stuff. If I remember right, 
Well, Adam and I were kind of step by step holding hands as we walked because we were really good friends. He was he was a dermatology resident in Jacksonville uh, Beaches Ward, uh, and I was an orthodontic resident. So we had we, we hit it, and we both loved sports. We hit it off, and after we both left our residencies, um, he called me and said he had a problem with. Uh, Joseph Smith because of uh, rough stone rolling. And so that was about 2006. And then as we were like struggling through this, he, through his sister, had found out about your podcast that was defunct at the time. Uh, you had just like quit. And yep. and that's when I met you was, was, uh, was during that uh, hiatus that you had. Uh, or not met you, but, uh, you know, we, we talked and on the phone and uh, you were kind of like my uh, counselor <laughs> through this I'm gonna process. I'm going to guess that was 2009, though, right? Uh, 2000, yeah, it was 2009, yes. Yeah. It, uh, you, when did you start up again? I had a, around that time, yeah, around that time. Yeah. yeah. I've actually quit and started a couple times, but. Yeah, so it was about yeah. 2009, yeah. And Randy, Randy's been cool enough to invite me to a couple of USC. He's a huge USC football fan, fight on. <laughs> and uh Randy, what does that mean again? I forget. <laughs> That's the French horns in the song Conquest. It's one of our fight songs. Okay. It's just it's just a noise. Randy's <laughs> the only reason I follow USC football. I get a text after every USC game from John. <laughs> All right, Bob, you and I actually maybe go back the farthest because I remember emails from you really early on. Yeah, have you gone through the first one yet, John? What's that? Have you finished reading the first one yet? Bob writes long emails. emails. Yeah. He does. <laughs> and Bob, uh, actually, I know your brother. I know your brother Tom too. I worked with your brother Tom. Yeah. Um, what's funny, John, is we we met before we chatted over email. This goes way, 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 way back. Um, we met in Salt Lake at a get together, a blogger knackle get together in the 2004 2005 time frame. I with think it was the like Fowles with like Jordan and John Fowles. Yes, yes. Wow. John at, at their house, and at the time, I remember you were you were sort of out of left field. I mean, we'll get to this, but it was interesting because we're like all bloggers who know each other, and then, then there's this guy John Delin, and you and nobody knew exactly who you were, but that was that was pre Mormon stories, I think. So it's interesting. And you've been with Microsoft how long? Uh, actually, I don't work, work for. Were, I were. were I, I was with Microsoft for nearly five years. Uh, now I work in the Bay Area uh, for a company called SAP. Um, oh yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. So I grew up, was born, raised in the church, served a mission, married in the temple, uh, met my wife on my mission. Uh, what else? No kids. Married twelve years, and uh, left the church. I guess uh, crisis of faith, two thousand seven. Came out to family 2009, so it's been a few years, but can't leave it alone. So yeah, 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 yeah. We need to do a podcast on why Bob hasn't had kids yet. <laughs> like a whole podcast just on that one topic. <laughs> <laughs> sure, cool. Well, Tom, uh, I I think I met you and knew you from the Mormon Expression days as one of the first panelists there, but maybe maybe not. But tell tell us a bit about you. Yeah, I think that was it. We had some email correspondence, but you know, I was probably one of the thousands that was trying to get to <laughs> the John Delin. But yeah, uh, I so I live in Orem. I uh, I 
I was uh, an elders quorum president. Uh, I was on the high council when I went through my crisis of faith back in 2008, 2009. And, and then I did this similar thing that Randy did, wrote a letter, but I didn't send it in. I haven't resigned yet. Um, my wife still attends. So I still attend occasionally. I actually attended church two weeks ago. So wow. it's it's just a you know it's just a form of negotiation to keep peace in in the in the Perry household, and that and that's fine with me because my you know I still deeply love my wife, and I you know that's that's meaningful to me to keep uh, peace in the household. So do you still have like good friends in the ward and stuff that make it easier for you to to be there when you are there? Some, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, there's a handful of them, but most of them, you know, are turncoats. I'm kidding. <laughs> my, mine, mine moved to North Carolina. No, I, I've, I've been meeting with my stake president pretty regularly in the last little while. So I, at first I was a little panicked that uh, it was going to lead to, an, you know, an excommunication. But, yeah, I was uh, going to say that doesn't end well. <laughs> but uh, so far, so good. You know, he... Uh, He's he seems to be very genuine and appreciative of of my uh-huh. efforts. Uh-huh. And, uh, <laughs> how many times has he how many times has he bore his testimony to you, Tom? How many times? However many times we met, three times. <laughs> Every time, but it, but it doesn't. But it doesn't matter because he does seem to. I mean, he's been reading the stuff. Like you know, I give him homework, and he's been uh-huh. reading. It. Tell me how tell me how it ends in John. I won't tell you, I won't tell you how this ends. Uh, <laughs> no, it ends good. in front of twelve people, bro. Yeah. No, I'm sure I'm sure it'll end up better for you than it has for me. <laughs> so, so is Randy the only one who's resigned? Where have you been? Hey, welcome to twenty minutes. This ago. is this is a so Matt. Did he just have a move. stroke? <laughs> yeah. Do we answer that question? God yes, we do. I hate when I do that. Yeah, there's a Skype lag of about twenty three minutes. From that, so. <laughs> so when are we going to hear from Tom? Yeah. Good one. <laughs> the funny right. thing is, I bet a lot of listeners will be like, "Well, have we heard from Tom?" Because we all sound the same. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, Jake, you're the you're the most recent to join. So, just tell us a bit about you and and your famousness. Hi, I'm Brother Jake. Hi, I'm Brother Hi, Jake. I'm Brother, Brother Jake. Jake. And in response to all these so-called intellectuals and feminists talking about how Mormons are sexist, racist, how complicated the gospel is, what's this book of Mormon thing? So, let me set the record straight. Mormons are not polygamists. I mean, yeah, we used to be, sure, but let me explain. Let me explain. Right. Well, I uh, I'm a very very minor internet celebrity. Oh, um, you're a major I, internet celebrity. <laughs> Uh, no, well, I so I um, have a very similar background. This, this, of, is the, this is the brother Jake for everyone who has listened to brother Jake. So go ahead, right? Brother. Right. So if you've seen the brother Jake videos, that's me. Um, and uh, it, it, I, um, I have a similar background to the other panelists. Grew up in the church, served a mission in, in Peru. When I came back in early 2009, kind of in the wake of of the 2008 election and Prop 8 type stuff. So. I consider the Prop 8 people to be kind of the baby boomers of post-Mormonism. Um, so anyway, I'm part of that whole wave of people. Anyway, but uh, we ended up moving. When I got married, my wife did a master's program at the School of Music at, at Indiana University. So we ended up in Bloomington, and Glenn was actually my first home teacher. Nice. Uh, yeah, so it was pretty cool. We um, Anyway, we, we hit it off, and I, I sat in on a couple Mormon Expression Podcasts, just as a panelist on a, on a couple of them, um, but uh, eventually, were either you or Glenn TBMs when you first met? 
Um, I, I don't know. Glenn, how would you say? I know Glenn wasn't, but no, uh, Glenn I wasn't. Would... I, but one of the one of the first experiences of Jake seeing me was when I stood up and bore my untestimony to the ward, which which we did a podcast about. So that's okay. out there. But but um, yeah. So and and Jake's wife. It's funny because when I look at the two of you now, I think that she's a little more conservative than you are when it comes to the church. But I, but back then I would have said that you were a little more conservative than she is when it comes to the church. So, right. Um, I, I, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't think that Jake was TBM. One of my, one of my favorite experiences with Jake was at the end of an elders quorum, and you know we we had been talking about a couple of things, <laughs> and there's like five minutes left, and Jake raises his hand. He goes, "What's what's the whole deal with like?" The, the priesthood ordinances in the church and exclusivity. I mean, what what is the deal with priesthood exclusivity in the temple? And everybody is like looking at each other, uh, uh, you know, like the, I, I loved it. There wasn't any time to answer the question and nobody that would really want to discuss it anyways. But I think our former bishop, who was the stake high counselor at the time, bore his testimony and that was it. Did I get that right, Jake? Was that the question that you asked? I don't remember what it was. It, it was, was something like, about the exclusivity. Like, why are we focused on yeah. who gets into heaven and who doesn't? Yeah, that that type. So of it thing. was it was kind of edgy for a normal elders quorum type question, and and it was totally endearing uh, of, of Jake to me from the start. So no, I wouldn't call him a TBM. Yeah, yeah I'm so just that, yeah. I'm just loving the idea of you two and elders quorum together. That just makes me really happy <laughs> with Adam Fisher. <laughs> oh, oh, that's like the coolest elders quorum ever officially. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was awesome actually. If I if I was still in Bloomington, I might still be going to church. But when I moved, uh, when we moved here to to North Carolina, I live in North Carolina now, and um, yeah, so I stopped attending it about a, a year ago. But I guess it was about two years ago or eighteen months ago that I started the Brother Jake series, and it kind of took on a little life of its own. So anyway, so I, I'm the new. I'm definitely the the most recent to the whole podcasting. Uh, Mormon media world or post-Mormon media world or whatever you want to call it. So I don't know. I feel like I'm the new guy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Jake's but, also uh, the baby of the infants. Right. I'm yeah. the youngest by far. How, how old are you? 26, right? Yeah, 26. Oh, oh wow. That's super young. Yeah. yeah we're, most of us are from our mid-30s to our 40s. Mid-40s, yeah. And uh, Jake is just a babe. I mean, did, did, did you say you got home from Nobody's mid-40. Okay, who's the oldest? Glenn's a senior member. 42. Randy, how old are you? I'm 40. Okay. Wow. Okay. And Jake, you got home from your mission in 09? That's crazy. Yeah. So I'm I'm the most (laughs) infantiest infant of us. Wow. You were like in eighth grade when I started Mormon Stories. (laughs) (laughs) That's insane. (laughs) Yeah, not only that, uh, John, I served in his hometown, Sholo. Uh, I was a, I was a missionary when he was four years old. He was a sunbeam or whatever That's one awesome. up above sunbeam and when you, I was a you missionary. You guys knew the same one-armed guy, right? Oh, no, yeah. no, you didn't know the same one-armed guy. Yeah, that's no. a that's thanks for the inside inside joke, Glenn. <laughs> right, right. Well, J- brother Jake, where do people where do people watch your videos? How do they get to them? Just a uh, quick shout out. They're they're on YouTube, so you can just. Uh, uh, Google search Brother Jake, and there's a channel. They'll they'll come up. They're all awesome. Right. Well, they're all awesome. All right. Well, that's that's the introduction. Now we're about an hour in. No, just kidding. Um, (laughs) We'll see how we can get through the rest of these questions. But um, real quickly, uh, I want to just hear firing round what what it was that that was the main impetus to you guys uh, losing your faith. So we'll we'll 
We'll go in the same order. So, Glenn, what was it for you? Let's reverse order. Okay. Ta- uh, Jake. <laughs> Jake, what was it for you? Uh, yeah, the catalyst for me was Prop 8. So coming back from my mission, the, my, the girl I was dating who later became my wife, um, she was definitely uh, not happy with the church's actions in Prop 8 and the way that they were talking about homosexuality. And it, it, it wasn't something I'd ever really considered before. But anyway, that was kind of the catalyst for me. All right. Tom? Uh, I think my – yeah, it's Mountain Meadows Massacre was the straw that broke the camel's back for me. So yeah. And you, you interviewed – uh, what's his name for that on Mormon Expression, right? Um, Will Bagley. Bagley. Will Bagley. Yeah, great, and, and, Gene Se- and Gene Sessions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That was great. That was great. Okay. Bob. Oh, gosh. It, uh, it was a slow burnout with my Mormon liberal blogging. Uh, shout out to By Common Consent back in the day. So you started uh, on By Common Consent? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was doing that before they came together. I was one of the originals. Uh, lasted not super long, but uh, I'd say the the straw that broke the camel's back was probably Grant Palmer's book, uh, Insider's View. Um, I really enjoyed it, and I was struggling with the, the Book of Mormon historicity. But looking back, I, you know, it's one of those things you kind of want to change your answer in retrospect. It's like, don't let it be the Book of Mormon. Oh, I, wanted, I want it to be something else and more creative, but that's kind of what it was. Are you still friends with Steve Evans? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, okay. sure. <laughs> we haven't caught up in a long time, but we we chat on Facebook every once in a while. Awesome. All right, Randy. Um, well, like the the there's certain points that led to a certain kind of a precipitation of it. So 2006, I learned about polyandry through Rough Stone Rolling. Um, at the time, I was a newly called high priest group leader in my ward. I thought I wasn't, Rough Stone Rolling kind of didn't address polyandry very much. Um, no, it it it. it it addresses it. It, it okay. apologizes for it, okay. but it definitely acknowledges that it happened. That was a slow burn for two years uh, until 2008 when Prop 8 came out. I was in Arizona at the time, so we had Prop 102. Yeah. And as, as one of the leaders in the ward, they were asking me to do a lot of things. Um, put a sign in my yard, um, you know, knock on doors, make phone calls. Uh, I didn't want to do any of that. And... That was the moment where we talked about Adam earlier. He and I both, this this whole prop, he lived in California at the time. This whole Prop 8, 102 thing was just something that we just morally was repulsive to us. And it made us wonder if we were good Mormons or not. And then uh, 2009, beginning of 2009 is when I learned about Mormon stories. So Mormon stories uh, took me Don't home. say it. Don't say it. <laughs> Don't say it. <laughs> Mormon stories, and it wasn't it wasn't Mormon stories as much as it was uh-huh. like you introduced me to people like Grant Palmer, and then I read his book, uh, and then and then you introduced me to people like Todd Compton, and then I read his book. Right. So you know, I, I made it wasn't like you said this is what I'm you need kidding. to believe, but you introduced <laughs> me to stuff where I had the information and I was able to make a decision on my own. So uh, so I guess it's a combination of uh, polyandry and Prop Eight. Yeah. And Mormon stories. I'll take and Mormon, it. Mormon stories. <laughs> Mormon stories is the gateway drug. It's it is. marijuana post Mormonism. Okay. So that means that our whole solar system could be like one tiny atom in the fingernail of some other giant being. <laughs> this is too much. That means that. 
one tiny atom in my fingernail could be, could be one little tiny universe. I buy some pot from you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Scott. Sure. So I was the typical fast burn. Um, I went from, you know, being super excited to, to being called into the elders quorum presidency and thinking I'm just going to, you know, really magnify my calling. And I wanted to read a bunch of church history. And then like over the next day or two, trying to figure out which books I wanted to order on Amazon, I'd run into like all of the, problematic issues and just started binging. Um, and my, I mean, I didn't know anything before that. And, you know, two or three days later, it was, it was all, had all fallen apart for me. Um, and just been trying to pick up the pieces ever since. Holy moly. So a couple days it fell apart. Yeah. Like before my books even got there from Amazon, like, like two days, I'd already, I'd already read like farms's review of in sacred loneliness and as soon as I read that and it said, there's a line in there that said something like, um, there's not good evidence that Joseph Smith had sex with any of his polyandrous wives except one. <laughs> and and then that was like, okay, well, you know, that's, it's on, that's on the BYU website talking about this book. Do I really even need to read the book? Like, what's except the... Except one. Yeah. That's not it's so bad. Still, it's still there, too. I, I found it a few months ago. It's still there. Oh, my gosh. All right. And then what year was that, Scott? That was 2009. That was April of 2009. So I was okay. just, I just finished my second year of law school and, um, had, you know, like two weeks off before my summer job started. So that was yeah. Satan's, uh, barn door wide open right there. Got it. Okay. All right, Matt, what was it for you? So I was called to be gospel doctrine teacher and I had this nice little following and I taught for four years and it'd be one of those things where when I teach the thing would be overflowing and uh, I'd explore all types of different ideas and really go out and research uh, all the scriptures in context and that was what started me away from the church reading scriptures in context and seeing the mormification or the how Mormon centric these lesson manuals were trying to be and you, and it didn't make sense and I started reading both the Doctrine and Covenants and Book of Mormon and it just started hitting me that well this is pretty self uh, you know th- this is this is seems to be just Joseph Smith doing his own thing why this seems weird and that's what started it and then uh, Prop 8 or in, in Arizona it was Prop 102 hit and that to me was so clearly an amoral position to take, um, just as it, as it pertains to equal protection and and those types of issues. That that tr- that just tripped a, a something in my head that said um, the brethren are wrong. They can be wrong. They're historically wrong. If they're wrong on so many things, I need to look at other things. And then that led me down the rabbit's hole to. Historicity of the Book of Mormon, Book of Abraham, uh, polyandry, post-manifesto polygamy, you know, and you just start tick, 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 and, and everything just, just kind of tumbles after that. What year was that? <clears throat> it would have been sometime between 2006, 2007 until like 2010. Okay. And so. your, your interview with uh, 
with Grant Palmer was probably the most transformative um, interview for for me and uh, just clarifying issues. So the first one or the second one? Uh, the first one. Okay. Okay. I can remember. I I went I went on a run and I don't run. I don't. <laughs> I I go to the gym. I spend twenty thirty minutes. I'm done. But I went on a run and. I didn't stop through the whole thing. <laughs> it's true. And at some point, this is, this, is, this is a true story. At some point, I'm like sobbing oh. over the uh, just the, I don't know, the clarity that I had that it was, uh, he just articulated things that I had kind of just barely kind of approached from the periphery. And it just, everything was, for me, was clarified after that moment. Mm, I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, 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 it's great. It was one of the most spiritual experiences I've had. <laughs> That's awesome. No, I mean, I've met you, and I'm trying to imagine you sobbing, and it, it is heartwarming. <laughs> it's heartwarming. And... That's a gentle, gentle giant. I'm actually a pretty, pretty sensitive guy. <laughs> no, I know. I know. Cool. That's a cool story. Thanks for sharing. Glenn. All right. Well, I, I think a combination of, of, of Bob and Matt a little bit uh, with the slow burn, um, enjoying the gospel doctrine when that was taken away i kind of didn't have an outlet to explore anymore and you know like what matt said i I did a lot of research that was just looking in the scriptures and thinking about it and going "Ah, that doesn't really make a lot of sense to me um there there were also people in in my life that um considered themselves to be very very pious mormons that were totally hypocrite you know like horrible gossip type people that uh, that 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 kind of put a little tarnish on it um, when I was on my mission, there were a lot of uh, really politically ambitious missionaries, and that kind of opened up my eyes. You know, John, a little bit like your uh, baptism story, you know, did in yours. I just yeah. kind of went, wait a second, what, what what's going on here? But, it, you know, it was a slow burn that, that took a long time. And, you know, for, for people that um, listen to Mormon Expression and remember me when I uh, was a part of that podcast, I, I think I've, I've even... Uh, changed since then. I, I, I think I was probably more nomish in in those days, and and now um, much less forgiving. <laughs> I mean, it, it might sound strange for people that that listen to Infants on Thrones and know, but I, I I'm pretty critical of uh, uh, people and uh, beliefs and things much much more so now than I was maybe three four years ago. Um, so very cool. I just remembered that I interviewed your family uh, for an entire episode about divorce on Mormon Stories. I totally forgot about that. Yeah, I've actually I shared that with uh, two or three people <laughs> in the last week. Um, that uh, yeah, that's still out there. I haven't met your mom, your dad, but your mom is super cool. Yeah, yeah, my, and and it's funny. I think I think she would probably be really. Uh, there was a time where she wouldn't want me to talk about her and her faith journey on the podcast, but she's totally out now, and it's awesome. Wow, I didn't know oh, that. Oh, it's awesome. It's so great. Um, and uh, yeah, your, your mom and uh, and your sister Melissa, who's awesome by the way. Yeah, too. yeah Melissa's yeah. awesome too. Shout out to and, Melissa. And, and my brother, who was on that that episode, and uh, you know, he he left after high school, so he he was out before any of us for for different reasons. But you know, so but my dad's not. My dad's still very much in, and uh, we don't. We don't talk much, and and uh, I don't know how aware he is or is not of this podcast. I was shocked 
that he was able to uh, or that he was willing to do that episode with us, John, because that was I remember him. My, he, he was a bit of an odd, odd duck, not well, odd, but just <laughs> conservative or yeah, something. Yeah. And, and we we hadn't talked together as a group, the five of of us um, uh, up until that point, And we haven't since, you know, so it was uh, it was just sure. a, a really pivotal moment. Uh, very interesting there. But uh, yeah. I totally forgotten about that until just now. Yeah, <laughs> and that was an that was an awesome episode, and I always forget that that was you, Glenn. Yeah, because yeah. when I listened to it, it wasn't you know Glenn, my friend, you know who yeah. I've talked to for hours. It was just this dude and his family. So oh, I got to go yeah. back and listen to that. Yeah, awesome. uh, the the, the best moment. The best moment was when uh, your dad identified as a McConkey Mormon, and he was—he <laughs> yeah. was—he totally owned it. And Glenn's like, "No, Dad, that speaks volumes." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. All right, so uh, so um, so Matt gets Matt gets brownie points for being prescient because he's already answered the question I'm about to ask. So Matt, you get a twofer on this one. Yeah. Uh, I, I assume that part of the reason why you guys podcast is because you've had some pretty significant moments in your life in association with with podcasts, whether it be Mormon stories, Mormon expressions, or, or even others, maybe even non-Mormon ones. But I just thought it'd be fun, since we're talking about your histories, to have each of you sort of pick, if you had to pick one episode that was like earth-shattering or mind-blowing or seismic shifts for you you know which if you had to pick one which which would you pick and it you know obviously it could be anything so i'll start with uh i'll start from the middle of the pack so scott i'm gonna start with you sure so i would say probably mormon expressions two-part episode on the nauvoo expositor yeah that was a great one yeah mind blower that's a classic i've probably listened to it three or four times um yeah. It's just, you know, it's one of those things. For me, the reason I'm involved with this a lot is just because I I, I find Mormonism interesting and I find Mormon history interesting. And what's more interesting than, than the late Nauvoo period? I mean, it's just crazy. So, yeah, yeah and they yeah. did a great job. And that was that was just a lot of a lot of fun to listen yeah. to. I agree. That was awesome. All right, Randy. That's going to sound lame after Matt, but uh, my first introduction to podcast period was Mormon Stories. Um, that was pretty early in the, well, no, it wasn't really that early in the podcasting scene, but I, I hadn't, um, tapped into the podcast scene. Um, probably the, sorry, John, probably the most important podcast for my life was, is Skeptic's Guide to the Universe. Sure. Yeah. 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 Um, that, that took was me to the next. Was there a particular episode or? A Skeptic's Guide? Yeah. Um, the first one they ever did. Okay. Okay. But, uh, but before that, uh, it was the Grant Palmer one. Um, he he had raised things, issues that I had never been aware of or considered. Um, I was already kind of um, disillusioned with the church, but um, like I didn't have anything to like put my feet on for why I felt the way I did, other than polyandry. But Grant Palmer's that interview was epic to me. I can still remember exactly where I was. I went golfing. I, I, I was driving to go golfing and listened to it on the way in. I couldn't wait to finish golfing so I can get back in my car and listen to the rest of the Grant Palmer interview. And I didn't cry like Matt did, but uh, it was it was such an intense, amazing experience to, to listen to Grant Palmer's interview. Hmm. 
Yeah, he was. That was powerful. I, I interviewed him in his house. <laughs> that was that was kind of mind blowing. Um, how, how early? That was pretty early. That was one of your first ones, wasn't it? Yeah, and I made I made a lot of enemies in in Fair and Farms when I did that interview. But yep, that was probably in the first thirty. I, I want to say, but I'm not totally sure. Yeah. And uh, I, I, you don't need to apologize if you list something else. I swear I'm not fishing for compliments here. I just think it's kind of an interesting question. So don't feel any pressure to, to say Mormon stories. Jake, did you have a, a mind-shifting podcast experience? Or are you I too did. young? Or are you too young? <laughs> no, I did. In fact, it was – I mean there, there are two that come to mind. Um, one was the interview with Michael Coe on Mormon stories. Oh, um, yeah. And that was I, – I remember where I was for that one. I was actually – I was on this hellish flight across the country for uh i think it was like over christmas or something so i was flying from indiana to utah and we got stuck somewhere and we're just sitting there and we're sitting there and i'm just listening to this this incredibly uh positive this this man who's incredibly positive about joseph smith about mormonism not the the most you know congenial man you could ever imagine just flatly deconstructing any sort of argument for in my mind deconstructing the argument any sort of argument for the historicity of the book of mormon from an archaeological standpoint that was that was mind bending for me um but uh another one was actually the one of the first podcasts that infants on thrones did the apostasy podcast that glenn showed me um that was so that i don't know it was just so inspiring to to listen to like somebody who someone that i knew that had produced something that was so well done and edited together and so stylized in a way that I loved hearing. So that was something that was really inspiring for me to eventually start podcasting or, or when he asked me to come on infants on thrones, I was very excited to jump on. So, so see Glenn, you were the gateway for Jake, right? Exactly. <laughs> well, we, we kind of influenced each other and, and it's interesting that when, when we did our first promo, for Infants on Thrones, I put together like this little five-minute thing, and, and Jake and his wife Erica were in my house, and I played it for him. And Erica's like, no, uh-uh. <laughs> and I listened. I changed it up. But, uh, yeah, they were uh, they, they were influential on me as well. So That's awesome. Yeah. All right, Tom, how about you? Oh, most influential podcast. Um, I guess I'll go to the earliest that I can possibly think of. I'm going to go with – the Church is Not True podcast with Bob McHugh. It's, nice. It's you can't <laughs> nice. really find it anywhere. I don't think. I don't know if you can. I I ended up saving it, but I, I might have it on a my external somewhere. <laughs> but uh, I, I had I to because I. I was exactly. I, I can listen to Bob McHugh all day. Yeah, he's great. Because I I remember when I was going through all my stuff and I was trying to find anything on Mormonism out there in the podcast world, and there really was just slim pickings back then. Yeah, and uh, I. I found like an archive of this, the church is not true or whatever. And I found that they had interviewed or talked to Bob McHugh. And I listened to that probably three or four times straight. And it was a little bit after that, that I, I kind of got gutsy and I reached out to Bob and we had uh, some email correspondence and a a couple phone calls and whatnot. But that was probably the most powerful uh, and transformative for me in the early days. I, I mean, there's a few uh, Sunstone panel audio that I listened to that kind of stopped me dead in my tracks. But I, I don't know. Yeah. Bob McHugh is pretty transformative yeah. for me. So. No, I ran into him back in like 2000, 2001 when I was having my faith crisis. I stumbled on his his writings and uh, he was definitely um, – a really important influence. Um, I, I interviewed Hiram from the churchesnottrue.com as my second 
second interview, I think. Yeah, and then you yanked it, and then you kind he of... He asked me to. Oh, he asked he? me to. Yeah, he, he like, started having second thoughts and having getting scared. So he asked me to take it down. <laughs> and Hiram's not, Hiram's not his real name, by the way. <laughs> have you have you had any correspondence with Tim at all? Since Many then? years ago, he, like, uh, yeah, but, but not really. I don't know where he is or what's going on. Mike Norton was the other part of that podcast, right? I think so, yeah. Yeah, he's it was, still around. It was he's still Hiram around. Mike. That was interesting. Yeah, that was an interesting podcast. Cool. All right, Bob. Uh, I think I'm going to go with uh, the Pullman one that um, Jesse, I mean, Scott uh. did with <laughs> with Glenn. Um, I, I just, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really well edited, and I thought it showed the church for what it really is in a very vivid way. Um, so I, it's just stuck in my memory that way. And then the other one I wanted to give a quick shout out to because i'm i'm vain like that is the uh the book of mormon movie review that matt and i did with um matt's friend from another podcast and we did that on mormon expression and and it just got me to the point where i was realizing that um i really enjoyed podcasting and it was a thing it was it's like an outlet it's a way for me to to be disagreeable and have fun at the same time in a in a way that i sort of missed out on being in a righteous zion-like home i guess and you guys talk a bit about the backstory of that on your my mormon expression podcast i should note um uh yeah yeah we do yeah okay glenn did i already ask you no okay glenn <laughs> uh th- th- there's there's a ton i am gonna go with the mormon expression zilpha interviewing nate just it it made homosexuality like I love real, that. That was amazing. Like, just so so, yeah. so, so real because I didn't have that two thousand eight uh, or, or prop eight. What, 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 whenever that was, what was that twenty two thousand eight? Was it, it was in two thousand eight? Yeah. So yeah. so, so yeah. I was in Japan in, in, during that time, and so it didn't. I, I was kind of aware of what was going on, but it, I didn't have the reaction that a lot of people have had. Um, but listening to to Zilpha and Nate was when. Uh, just like homosexuals became very real people to me. And uh, so there, there, there've been a ton of really influential episodes, but I, I'm going to put that at top. Yeah. I love that one too. That was great. All right, Matt, you get a second one. Do you want to throw another one on? Or are you good? Did we lose Matt? He's got a 23 minute lag. Remember? Yeah. <laughs> I'll throw on a second one. This is Scott again. Okay. I'll, th- I'll throw on a second one. You're episode 29. Um, when you talked about the atonement and how that didn't make sense, uh, that was that was a, a profound moment for me too. Oh, yeah, I'll second that. I don't. Does, is that one of those that um, is it still living? Still. Living? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. That was okay. just that was the first time I I I was allowed myself to be interviewed. Yeah, that was good. You got really raw in that one. Yeah, yeah, I loved yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, and you broke. I mean, it was it was maybe only a few minutes, but you kind of. You kind of broke down, like, well, well, why would it make sense for Jesus to give us these to, sins and then to, punish us for having them? To punish like us that. for having yeah. them, and then and then we have to use this thing called the atonement. But if we don't do it right, then and we're supposed it to be thankful it doesn't for him. Work and it's just, yeah, it's it's it was great. Well, thanks. That was fun. All right. So, did we lose? Uh, did we lose? Uh, not important. Did we lose Matt? Not important. Okay. All right. All right. Well, that's fun. Okay. So. Um, so I guess I want to I I want to refer uh the listeners if they haven't heard it to the My Mormon Expression um 
episode. And I'll just say, you know, what that episode was about was just basically just the fact that many of you guys were early contributors or middle late contributors to the Mormon Expression podcast. And I just have to say that um, it was that interview that made me want to interview you guys, but not because it had to do with anything with John Larson. I I was really put off by the fact when I first saw that you guys were doing that interview uh, or, or that or that episode where you were going to kind of dish a little bit, I, I thought, on John Larson. You thought it was going to be a was, hit piece? I, I did. Yeah. And I thought, this is going to make me sick to my stomach. <laughs> and it's really hard to do this kind of stuff. And you guys are just going to, you know, dump on John. And I... I was just not looking forward to it, and I, I almost didn't give it a fair chance. But when I listened, what came, what really struck me, well, first of all, was was how much respect I felt that you guys had for John Larson. After, for, you, to got, me, after you got past Matt reading his email at the beginning. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, you know, to me, I, I felt like you guys really respected John. But also, I just love the candor and the sincerity of everyone sharing their experience. You know what I mean? Um, but I'm, I'm only mentioning that to short circuit a bit. Real long conversation we could have about how you guys met and, and your time with Mormon Expression. I don't think we need to totally go into that here uh, unless there's something you guys want to say about it. But I'll just say that. Many of you guys were part of Mormon Expression, and then you decided to jump off and start your own. Is there anything else that needs to be talked about here about that? Anybody? I, I would just say it, it really influenced. I mean, still, I think uh, you, you can see the the influence of Mormon Expression and the things that we do. And I, I think, especially with our listener essays, uh, that that that's a feature that I really like about Infants on Thrones. And um, so I I know there there have been questions about that. Um, if, if people want to do a listener essay, it's still, we're still accepting them. You can go onto our website on the, the, the contact tab. There's instructions on how to do it. I think the one thing, two things that I'd say about it. One, please don't send a written essay, like record it so that we can hear it. Um, because like reading it, it's, it's a different type of language than you actually speak. And it's, it's hard to hear how you're going to sound when you're, when you're explaining, you're telling your story, whatever it is that you're passionate, you want to talk about. So record something, email it to us. We've got instructions on how to do that. And then the second thing, sometimes it takes us a long time to get to them. And, you know, so what, what we do, we've got like a, a shared Dropbox that all of us have access to, and we put, a, put them in a folder there and then we kind of get to them when we get to them. And I don't know. Do you guys even know how many we have that are sitting in our Dropbox right now? Like a half, a half dozen. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say five or six, right? Yeah, five or six. Um, and, and so it just takes us a while to, to get to, to some of them. Um, and, uh, you know, ap- apologies for that. But it, that's just kind of the way it goes. But that, that's definitely an influence from Mormon expression. So I, I, I think there's still things that we do that uh, were started there. Right. All right, I'm going to stop. We're right at about 54, so I'm going to go ahead and stop and, and mark that kind of as potentially the first episode. Is that all right? <laughs> Let's just have a really brief discussion about how it started. Like, well, we don't need to talk necessarily about Mormon expression unless it's super important, but more just like the brainchild, like what were the early sparks 
and uh, and and some of the early thoughts behind it, and it's kind of the early deliberations. Well, so it, it started out. Part of it was because Mormon expression was kind of on, or yeah, Mormon expression was on hiatus. Um, there was a bit of a vacuum there, and I think me and Matt talked on the phone a couple of times. We'd been talking about some other things, and then we'd gotten Glenn involved and and you know tom and and bob and we all just kind of um i think it gelled together pretty quickly through a series of phone calls and then i remember glenn so it started it started with scott and and matt well no no i think it was it was honestly it was how would you guys describe it no i i think i think that's right scott i mean you you and matt were having some independent conversations i'd been talking with tom a little bit about yeah maybe maybe But it was then you and I had some conversation where we're like, and, right. you know, Gross. delicious. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then it, when it really fired up was when Glenn sent out like this, his initial draft of the promo <laughs> audio yeah. that was just so awesome. And it was really? like, how do we not? Oh, yeah. Uh, it was like, how well, do we not yeah. do this? It was like it was off the cult of personality yeah. by Living Color, and it was had well, all these clips in. And because it, yeah, I was so fired up when you sent that out. Because yeah. but because because I I thought we should call ourselves not another Mormon themed podcast or something like that. <laughs> right, you know, kind of right, like right. I can't believe it's not butter. And that quickly got voted down. And you know, that it, it was through email that we had a lot of suggestions for a name. And I think it was Tom that suggested Infants on Thrones uh, among like maybe yeah. five or six others. But we all kind of went, yeah, that sounds. Cool. Well, well and, Glenn's and email, all it said was, is it time, question mark, and he sent this audio clip that was, I mean, not, un, I think it's been used before, but it's basically a little intro, a little Infants on Thrones intro teaser, and I, I was like, Scott, man, I got pretty worked up. I thought this, <laughs> yeah, it is time. It is time to do something. All right, Glenn, you're going to have to splice that in. Okay. And during the few moments that we have left, we want to talk right down to earth in a language that everybody here can easily understand. Welcome back, everyone, to Mormon Truth, and I go by the name of Podcast. Okay, welcome production. back to another edition of Mormon Expression. On this I'm your episode host, of the BCC Zeitkast. Get in line and grab your dish. It's time for another helping of the Mormon Potluck Podcast. Tune in Um, yeah, but but not only that, uh, the, you know, we talked about this earlier uh, in episode one, uh, but we, we did the Book of Mormon movie review, and we did it, it was pre-infants, but it was edited infant style. Uh, you know, we, we uh, Glenn had edited, edited in a bunch of uh, uh, audio clips from the movie, and then that sat and sat and sat. <laughs> Yeah, because we did as, it like in February, and then it wasn't released like until June. Yeah, yeah. And so it sat for four months, and and all of us knew it was a good episode. Uh, I'd highly recommend everyone to listen to it, mainly for the fact that we had a never Mormon watch that movie and review it, and and to listen to the moment. And, and we've talked about this 
earlier, but the moment where he's like, you guys read this book when you were in like, like Sunday school. And it said that dark skin was a curse so that you wouldn't want to have sex with dark skinned people. Didn't you think that was racist? <laughs> like you could just, you could hear the, the, the gears grinding in his brain. And we all just were, it was such a beautiful moment. Like, yes, of course. <laughs> and, uh, and and but when that sat and sat and sat for four months, I think that uh, Glenn, am I wrong? That kind of graded on you. Oh sure, but I was I was already done with Mormon expression by then anyway, so I, I was. Yeah, well, maybe this is more Matt and I because Matt and I were still ex- uh, exchanging texts and emails about it. Like this, our episode was so great, and it won't. It, John won't release it, and so that's. I think that's what really made Matt and I really want to get on board. When Glenn came calling to start a new podcast, but but the the group gelled together pretty quickly. I mean, we all had relationships with each other. Like I I'd, I'd talked to Tom and Glenn a lot. Uh, Matt, you know, I I worked with him here. Uh, Randy, I'd met. I mean, Matt and Randy are super good friends. Bob, we all knew. I mean, it was it, the group came together. It, the initial group came together really, really. Just, I mean, it was like instant. And, and like I said, even even in the beginning, like Jake was involved to a degree. I mean, he he, yeah. he was aware he was having influence on us. It, it just wasn't until later that I'm like, let's just do this for real, man, and and bring well, Jake, Jake into Jake it. Jake was on the first. If Jake was on the 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 masturbation of the porn. Well, that was Mormon expression. We did, right? That was Mormon expression. Right. Yeah, but but he but Jake, you you and Erica were on the uh, atonement one, right? Yeah. That's probably why you let's do it. <laughs> The, no, the apostasy. Oh, the apostasy. One. Yeah, not the atonement. Apostasy. Yeah, yeah. Another yeah, A yeah. word. Right. And, and what about what, what? What month and year did, did you guys release your first episode? Uh, we recorded June. June two thousand twelve was our first recording. Yeah, but yeah, and, and and we released a little promo, but we didn't really start until about August two thousand twelve. Okay. Okay. So this is like this is a full year. And more after the the Phoenix Arizona Mormon Stories Conference, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. That, that, so I'm putting it together. That's right before I kind of like imploded. So. That's what she said. <laughs> all right. So I've got it. I've got it in my. Um, I've got it in my memory bank. Okay. So, so um, why? Like, what made you guys think that another Mormon podcast was even necessary? Like, um, did, did, you know, what, what were you thinking about that? Well, for for me, this is Matt. I, there was I I had my own. Um, and feel free to feel free to criticize. I mean, no hold bar. I'm I'm cool. No, whatever. Uh, I, I had my own Mormon themed podcast, and it was it was inspired by you, John. It was called Mormon Mission Stories, and but we we ended up not doing very well because of just creative difference. I had this complete TBM on one side. Me, it's trying to keep, I'm trying to use this to keep me in the church, but I just want to talk about real raw honest stories about the mission that aren't always faith promoting. And I just thought they were fun and funny and I wanted to laugh. And that's what I felt was lacking in, in the Mormon podcast world was, was just laughing, entertainment, kind of taking things, not taking things so seriously. There, there was, you know, this real heady stuff and just conversations, but there wasn't just, there wasn't a lot of levity. And that's what I wanted is to, to thought that that was lacking um, and so for me, that was a, that was a big motivation is just to have have fun conversations that were maybe a little lighter and not so 
deep and heady and just and just like talking about feminism and things like that. <laughs> 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 Feminists, philosophies of people mingled with humans. We are the group. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but but no. You, it, from the beginning, we knew things that we didn't want to do as well. Like we didn't want to take donations. We didn't want to start a Facebook page, community, like a, a, yeah. a, a yeah, Facebook right. community. We didn't want to moderate anything with other people. Um, we didn't want to have, you know, support groups or anything like that. It was just, hey, we're going to have fun and we're going to do this project. And as soon as it's not fun anymore, w- you know, then we're going to be done. Well, and originally right. we also wanted to push away from Mormonism to some degree as well. We wanted to do other topics. I mean, that was, if I remember right, that was part of the reason why we didn't want Mormon in our in our, uh, in our name. Yeah. Know. Name. Yeah, that's and right. also, and also, when we listed our podcast on iTunes, we're under philosophy, not not under uh, religious anything, because we Which wanted I think to go, listenership to a degree. It does. Yeah, we should be under entertainment, Bob. All right. Well, we're doing pretty well under philosophy, mm-hmm. though. I, I kind of like being in the top ten yeah. there on iTunes. We're at, that's sweet. No, we're not really in the top ten in philosophy. It, what, what is that? It like rotates. Depends on the day you exactly, check. Right. <laughs> quit, quit downplaying it. Come on, man. <laughs> Come on, we're awesome. <laughs> Did we ever? I don't because uh, a lot of the listeners on Mormon stories aren't going to know why we're called infants on thrones. Did we ever say where the name really came from? Yeah, Tom. Where, where'd you get that from, Tom? It was from the King Follett discourse. I mean, we've done several discussions in our podcast about it, but. Um, it was Joseph Smith who pontificated about, you know, have, seeing infants on thrones and the child won't grow one stature or something like that. So one cubit, you know, one cubit, one yeah. cubit. It was it was more of just the silliness and the ridiculousness of it that that kind of I think drew us to that name. I think. Yeah, and the other thing, agree? the other thing we liked is that it, it was also pretty uh, accurate in describing us as a bunch of, you know, we don't we're not experts on anything. Other than our fields that we practice in, and uh, and we're, so we're basically just infants um, in the world trying to discover the world. Because when you're Mormon, all the answers are given to you on a platter, and once you leave Mormonism, uh, now you gotta like you got this whole big world to explore. A <laughs> whole new world. <laughs> Did you really do that? <laughs> Horrible. God. Horrible. That was the first. That was like one of the first clips I did because you said that in our intro, and I put that in. Uh, I don't know. And, and now we've got this whole new world opened up to us. Yeah, he just so, saved himself like ten minutes of editing yeah, by just edit singing it, it right yeah. in. There. <laughs> yeah. We really evolved. But the name of the podcast is kind of a double entendre. It's it's an homage to Mormonism and the absurdity of of some of the aspects of mormonism but it's also what does it juxtapose though randy i have no problem with comparisons because it'll be the juxtaposition will be stark (laughs) i like that you use the word juxtaposition you get one of those once an episode you get one (laughs) two and one big word (laughs) (laughs) there's no there's no (laughs) randy i don't i don't know if you remember this but i i distinctly remember uh being with you in southern california and uh and you telling me that, that you're going to do this podcast with these guys, and you told me the name. And I, I remember telling you, dude, put Mormon somewhere in the title because it will be more successful that way. Do you remember that? 
I don't remember that, but I've been f- maybe it, it got into my subconscious because I've been fighting. I've been fighting this battle for years with these guys. It's true. Randy's if, been if, telling us that we should have had Mormon in our if name. We, if that we don't have, deep. if we don't have Mormon in our name, uh, we yeah. we are not going to be as accessible to the ex Mormon community, which really is probably a good the thing. Bulk of, the bulk of our listenership. I think you guys are finding your. I think you're finding your audience for sure. But I think it's been good it, that we've flown under the radar for as long as we have. It's helped you develop kind of a style yeah, because it's more everything. because it's more about us. You know, I mean, it's just this is a hobby that we do because it's fun, and I, you know, I don't, I don't want to get like so big or anything like that. That because I, you know, what do you mean flown? What do you mean flown under the radar, Glenn? Yeah. Oh, you know, like we don't have huge numbers of, of listenership. Yeah, you know, like how, how people say, why really? don't you advertise um, in more places? Why don't you like promote yourself? And like, we, I don't think we do a ton of that. We, we really haven't. We've just kind of done this and, yeah, and it's put organic it out. growth. Yeah, it's organic it is, it is organic yeah. growth. Yeah. That, so that's what I mean by flying under the radar. But I think you guys are really coming on. So it's, it's fun to see you guys be successful. So. Um, okay, so so the all maleness, all whiteness, all straightness—you guys are all getting kind of hammered. Uh, not all, but the, you know, there's some people that are kind of hammering you guys for that. Just tell me how you guys think about that, um, and uh, and and what the future might hold in terms of more diversity or not. You know, well, haven't we talked about this from the beginning about who, you know, are, are we going to let other people determine? what our voice is going to be aren't we just a bunch of guys hanging out should we have more should we have females should we have someone that's a little more believing should we <laughs> i mean it just and we do deal with this quite a bit it seems like we talk about it and it's one of the reasons why we bring chelsea on from time to time and it seems like you know we've been kind of chelsea centric as of late but i think that's just more of a circumstance than anything but i, I don't know For me personally it's just like I would rather us just do what is fun and keeps us motivated. I don't really, right? I, I don't know. I don't feel. Yeah, I, think- I don't feel driven to to say, oh, so this one guy who has initials as his avatar, we should definitely, <laughs> we should, we should definitely do what he says. Or, I don't yeah, know. when you start responding to what you think people want to hear, I, I think you lose a voice. You lose power if if you. You know, I steal this from from Howard Stern. Really, is is I want to do a show that I want to do and that I'd listen to, and I think there will be a nice subsection of people that will listen to it too, and those who won't just just won't. But I don't think they will if I was to try to be uh, not as genuine and not as honest by going out and and getting uh, trying to cater to a certain demographic or. Or whatnot. So, uh, yeah, you know, I think it happens, and if it happens organically, and there's a real reason because we like the person, we like their voice, then that's awesome. But to say, boy, let's go find a female, let's go find a a person of color, let's go find somebody who might be, you know, lesbian or, or homosexual or questioning or whatever, then it loses all. Um, it just loses all. Genuineness, and that's well, what I hope. If nothing else, I hope that we're honest and we're genuine. I, I also, I don't, I don't know really what the difference is between being like a perma panelist and just doing stuff because you know, like Allison. It's time to play. Guess who said it? The game where you guess who said it. Jack Canfield, author of Chicken Soup for the Soul, or. 
a general authority. She might as well be a PERMA panelist for, you know, as, as much as we respect her and share things with her and get her input and she contributes. It's just she's not on the mailing list, which is intentional. So we can talk about her behind her back. You know, <laughs> it, it, you know, like but, we, but love, we love Alice. We, we totally love Alice. Well, especially when she started talking about how she likes how women smell and stuff. That was hot. <laughs> you know, but so like when 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 I'm looking when I've got a topic that I want to talk about, I, I might have like three or four people in mind that I think would be good to to have that discussion with. And it might be some of these core guys here. It, it might be other people that we've had conversations with, you know, like a Chelsea or a John Hamer or Allison or Nick or I mean, there's, Mike, there's yeah. yeah, or Kim, Erica, Kristen. Yeah, there, 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 there's a lot of people that will bring on for topical things, but it's just because that's the kind of conversation that I want to have. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I echo what, what, what Tom and Matt were saying. I don't ever want us to, uh, like, try to fit a quota. But at the same time, I'm I'm very interested in uh, hearing other people's stories and, and exploring, you know, through their eyes. So, you know, we'll we'll do episodes about feminism or we'll we'll, you know, talk about different issues that we might not normally do but that doesn't mean it's going to it's going to become our hallmark or trademark or fundamentally change what we're doing although i hope we're learning and evolving through it so i, I don't know and i and i've always hoped that people would look at our podcast the same way i look at other podcasts you find the ones that interest you cherry pick through the archive and and dig it you know you know i i always get astounded when i i see feedback or criticism saying I just listened to this recent podcast and it's trash. I'm not going to listen to another episode. Like what? I mean, I feel like we have quite a bit of diversity, quite a broad sense of topics and discussions that really that's, that's the yeah. one you're going to put the nail in the coffin for. All right. Yeah. And well, we well, do you get that, average, John? We release on average two a week. So that's there's a lot, yeah. there's a lot to dig from. Yeah. I mean, have you gotten that, John? I mean, how many episodes do you have? You're coming on 500, right? If you count all the ones I did with Mormon Matters and Sunstone, it might, it might be 550, you know? I mean, do you get people after one episode? I'm done with you, John DeLynn. Now I'm, I'm lost a listener. <laughs> I lose a listener. Seriously? Yeah, all the time. Yeah, all the time. Yeah, it's a, you, you, can't really, you can't really cater to, to the lone voices. And I think authenticity wins in the podcasting world, you know? I think it does. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's that's awesome to hear your perspective on that. Do Do you guys have a a sense for who you think your audience is? Like, do you have a target audience? Do you I have think a sense of demographics. Redheaded women. <laughs> am, I, am I right? <laughs> that's my wife. We've done a number of studies um, or surveys. surveys. <laughs> yeah, studies. 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 Too official. Yeah, we haven't done any studies. studies. <laughs> no, we've done we've done some surveys, um, and it's it's surprising. You know, the I'm always surprised when I see the the way that the demographics come out. You know, we get we get young people and older people, and um, there's a we've had a pretty good number of of female listeners, and we've had we have a lot of nevermos, which just confuses me. And yeah, I mean, it's kind of all over the board. It's just it, it's people from all over. And believers, do you have believers? Yeah, yeah, some. yeah, yeah. We've had some, some, um, some yeah. a lot less. It's hard. It's hard to know because even even with the surveys that we do, I think the most that we've ever had is maybe two hundred and fifty people respond to a survey, and sure. we we probably have a core audience around three or four thousand. Would you say, Bob? 
Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, the ones that are listening um, to nearly every episode yeah. or checking in. It's just like the way they do church statistics, the people who come more than once a month, right? Yeah. Uh, so, probably so, 5,000 at the most. So, so it's hard to extrapolate what we get from surveys onto our general audience. But I, 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 you know, I, I think that we are influenced by what people say in, in the surveys and in the feedback. I, I know I always love reading it, but I don't think we're really tailoring it to, to a particular audience or a particular demographic. Right. right. Really, the bottom line is like we're not we're, we we're not asking for money, or we, and we never will. And uh, I know Bob doesn't like me to say we <laughs> never, never say will. never. Um, <laughs> not for this topic, just in general. It's a good rule of thumb. This is a hobby. This is, uh, I mean, not to sound narcissistic, but this is more about us than our listeners. Because uh, uh, as soon as we're not enjoying it, it's over. You know, uh, this, none of us are relying on this. Uh, as, a, as an income source or anything like that. Uh, it's just like, let's just be fun. Let's be authentic. And let's see where that takes us. Yeah, you know, I, I like it. to think that our demo, uh, and this has come out from S, from surveys often, but I'd like to hope that at some point we can be a place where people sit and say, we can ride this way for a little while. You hear a lot of times Mormon stories is regarded as, as somewhat transitional at times. And, and I don't necessarily agree with that, but I've heard that. And Mormon expression is after you've kind of gone and you're in your ang- angry phase. And then we've heard people say, you know, but infants is a place where you can just settle. Um, and it's almost reflective on now we've maybe gotten through the, the transition. And, and I really like that. I think if that was true, uh, that's that's more than I'd ever aspire to but that would be awesome if we find we become we are can be considered a landing place for people who have transitioned through some sort of trauma whether that be mormonism or something else where they've they've got to reflect and say wow life's pretty crazy and kind of funny and we can poke fun of it sometimes yeah, I would call that the developmental theory of Mormon podcasting. Sort of, uh, you start you start out with Mormon stories. We're Fowler stage five. Stage five, yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Oh, good. Yeah. Fuck Fowler. <laughs> Fowler stage four. Um, oh yeah, so that's a great segue. So, um, so my buddy David Christiansen, he's a comic, and his his his. I think the I think the profanity is fun and refreshing. So I love it. Fuck, fuck, fuck. You know, I I I am going to ask you guys how you think about doing that. A couple of the interesting comments I heard about the swearing was number one, a guy who's a professional comedian who said that swearing's a crutch. You know, can't you be funny without the swearing? The other another one said. You know, I, I want to be able to share this with people, but I can't because of the swearing. Um, how do you guys t- pro- process the swearing that you do in, in terms of your listenership and your reach? Well, I think Jake should do this since we have an entire episode on on the swearing. Jake, Jake, Jake. Hey, hey. You, well, could just I, as, you could just as much argue that people listen to you because of the swearing. So that's one, one take. Right, but go ahead, Jake. Right, one take. Well, I mean, and and – you know, by by the same token, I wouldn't say that somebody who never swears is also using that as a crutch. Right. Um, so I just I, I think that whatever language you use should be. I mean, I, 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 I'm getting to the point where I have a hard time kind of empathizing with the idea that there are there are sounds that you can make with your mouth that make something unlistenable to. You know, yeah. like it's just. I, I mean, swearing is is kind of. It's arbitrary, and it's not something. I mean, it's it's just 
a, a social construct. So in a way it's hard to, but so, so is Mormonism. So is everything that we're doing. So is podcasting. So it's, it's hard to argue that as well. I don't know. I guess I'm talking myself in circles a little bit, but what I, 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 I just think that people should express themselves authentically, how it, how it feels right for them and what's appropriate for the context. And since this is a, you know, a personal, uh, uh, endeavor for all of us, kind of a hobby endeavor, I think that it's, it's, I don't know. It's th- this is us. You know, if you wanted a, a watered down version, or if you wanted some sort of censored version of us, it wouldn't be what it is. Which you did for us once. We we did do yeah, we, we did, did right kind time. of experiment with one episode, right. uh, and and then we we get, it was like a Mike Tannehill. Was it the Noah one, or was it the unintentional racist? No, no, no. That was the that was the racism okay. one. That was the only really good one that we did with Mike. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, true, it's true. true. It's the rest of them weren't that good. Um, and, and we're talking about Mike Tannehill, not any of the other mics that we've we've had on. So um, you, you and Erica uh, went through that one and edited out not just uh, swear words, but even some of the content that might have been. Little sarcastic, critical towards right. the brethren, or you know something to try and make it more TBM friendly. And, and we just we right. we watched the downloads to see, okay, is this going to have a significant spike, or you know, is, is there any impact here? Any reason why we might want to do something like this, like have an infant's light, you know, stream or something? But nah, it's too much, work. too much work. Yeah. And yeah. and and I feel like the people that would be off put by the swearing are going to be off put by the tone yeah. and, and and the yeah. mentality and the approach that we take toward modernism anyway. I mean, we don't have any reverence, so yeah. acting having irreverent <laughs> language is just kind of a cherry on top of that shit Sunday that they're not going to want to eat anyway. Yeah. So <laughs> we don't take ourselves that seriously. I think if we really thought, oh. This episode is going to reach people, and this is going to affect people on a on a real level. Maybe we'd think about doing that. I, I think we're, we'd be fooling ourselves to think that that would, even if it was shared with believing friends and family member, that they would, you know, look at it anything other than, yeah, those are four or five apostates. Why should I listen to them? Yeah. So it's just not worth it. And when we started, we we were. We were more sensitive. I think we were kind of divided as a group as to how we wanted to to censor our our content. And uh, you know, we, we've talked about this a few times on our podcast that that there was a, a comparison to a movie as an abortion, and then to one up, Randy called it a hanger abortion. You know, something like that. And we we just went back and forth and back and forth and and you know, pulled it out and it was so offensive and we just shouldn't do that. But it started sucking the fun out of it, you know, when, when we started censoring ourselves too much. So I, I, for one, who was on the side of let's censor things and, and make the content more accessible to a, a more general audience, I kind of went, you know, I, let's just let's just let it fly and let it be what it is. And people can self-select. And if it's not for them, then it's not for them. Yeah. I want to ask each of you your favorite swear word. All right. Starting with Bob. Bob, favorite swear word. <laughs> uh, hell. All right, Glenn. Shit. Hey. Matt. Jackass. Scott. Shit. But I don't swear much, so yeah, yeah I don't I'm just, I, It's not. It's not really a big thing for me. But okay. shit. <laughs> Randy. Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Nothing makes me feel better than saying that. Jake? Uh, God damn it. Okay. And Tom? I'm going to go with either damn it or jackass. I like those. 
Nobody dropped the f bomb. Not one of you dropped the f bomb. I, I, I think no, Randy, 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 Randy dropped it and though. wrapped right. it up oh, in uh, Jesus it was in Christ. between Middle Jesus name, Christ. Yeah. In between right. our Lord and Savior, he dropped the f bomb. Yeah. But that, but that's my second favorite. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Real quick, Randy, how long? How long? I'm sorry, uh, Glenn. How long does it take to edit these episodes? It seems like it would take forever. No, I don't know. It 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 depends. I um. It just depends on how much content we add to it, uh, because then if, if we're going to add clips, then it takes however long it takes me to watch those clips and figure out which clips I'm going to put in and, and then to put in it. But I've got it down pretty quickly. Um, you know, we've done some episodes. There's a few that we've we've recorded and then I've stayed up for a couple of hours after recording and released it the next day. And it's just kind of formulaic at, at that point where you put on an, an intro and an outro and there you go. Because we're not having to edit the content. Yeah, you got to listen to the whole thing. Sometimes, but there have been ones that you know, like the 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 one last week with uh, uh, John Delin and Kate Kelly, the pieces that you wrote about why you were exed and she was, or why she was exed and you weren't. I didn't listen to that before we put it out. I didn't have time. But but I I think a, a, a lot of times we have kind of a nice system where mainly it's Bob, but sometimes it'll be one of the other guys will. We'll listen to the episode and send uh, edit notes that, that, that are time stamped and say, cut, nice. it, cut it here. W- you okay. know, stop it when Glenn says, uh, you know, X, Y, Z and start it when Randy says B, Y, C or, you know, something. And and that's, um, that's super helpful. It, 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 then it just it, it goes yeah. really, really quickly because all yeah. that that thinking has been done for you you know once bob says yeah. it the thinking has been done so <laughs> yes but, but also the collaborative process is a lot of fun it is I, yeah i've i've done many sods or just stuff that i've done my my own little production on and then sending it out to the guys for input is a lot of fun and you, you know little tweaks here and there it's just it, it makes it not just a better product but it's it, this is why I like working with these guys is because it's it's fun to collaborate. Let, yeah. Let's 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 now ask Scott how long it takes to edit an episode. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Months, like months, months and months. months. I'm the slowest. <laughs> That's awesome. No, I'm not. I'm not ter- too bad, but it's it's a question of when I'm going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so um, okay, so. Here's a little, I have a setup to this question, but Glenn, I remember when you reached out to me early on, I, I, maybe I have this wrong, but I seem to remember you making a pitch to me <laughs> early on, probably from Japan, wanting to maybe do some interviews or participate in Mormon stories uh-huh. in some way. Yeah. I did and, that, John. I sent you an email and said, here's, here's the six interviews I want to do. I want to produce for you because you made a call for it at one point. And you said, "Yeah, go do it. Send us, let's do it." And I never did. Oh, okay. Oh, so okay. you got the green light, and you didn't take it. Yeah, it's oh, true. John said those sound nice. great. Do it. Yeah. Um, let me know when they're done. And I was like, "Oh, well, <laughs> now I'm not where to go from there." I, I got a pat on the head and and no green light. But uh, you know, it was yeah. It, it, it was kind. Of, it was like thanks. That sounds awesome, but like it wasn't. But. But and I don't know what the time frame was. I don't remember because after I started doing a couple of Mormon expression episodes, then you sent me a, a message on Facebook or something that was like, "Dude, wrong team." <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but so I, I think there were things that we were doing 
like with the the second ward, you know, maybe we we started getting to know each other through that more. And and I I think that's where I first met Randy and and Scott actually was through interactions on that. I think I think oh, so you guys Tom were on the on second that. ward, yeah. I was in the first and second ward. Yeah, yeah, me, I, I was as well, Randy. So you Although guys I are, ended up staying only on the first ward. So does someone want to tell anyone what I'm, you're talking about right now? You know, you yeah, know I'm what confu- it is. I'm confused. John had some secret se- secret societies online that we couldn't talk about. The first um, <laughs> online group you started, and then it got too big, and then you started a second ward. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You're, you're with me. I be, oh no no I totally know I just I <laughs> yeah. think the the listeners might be lost but yeah I started I started a private forum of like two hundred of my closest friends and just to see what would happen that what what you guys are referring to as first ward still exists today it's this amazing community of people that are all super close whenever anyone is, in, is is that the, is that the swinger ward <laughs> no oh not that not close that, not that I know not that close. not that I know. <laughs> Maybe some. Uh, Shout out maybe some. Asshole. Shout out to Heather Olson Beal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a great group. And then, and then when that group got too big, I created a second one. And I think a lot of you guys were part of that second one, but some of you were part of the first. So, yeah. Um, so, okay. Here's what I was going though. So, Glenn, I remember like going, ah, eh, you know, Glenn's style isn't my style, and I was oh, just, you know, I was just so, you know, why scared to to let go of creative control. No, go, go ahead. But what were it's you because I was doing that. Uh, like I had a, a website called uh, mormonfolklore.org or something with this satirical character, Stephen Arassus Knudsen the Third. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. and it, like it was, it was very biting satire, and I think I referred you to that as like a way of getting to know me, and you're like, ah, uh, no. No, that's not that's not going to do. It. I'll bet that was it. Well, that, I, I, I turn anybody off. Right. <laughs> well, I kind of I kind of remember that. Yeah. And then and then when you joined Mormon Expression, uh, you know, I, I certainly remember some of my earliest times listening, feeling tension between you and, and John Larson. Hmm. And so I um, so. My most one a really strong memory that comes through listening to your My Mormon Expression episode was was how how all the other panelists on Infants on Thrones kind of referred to you kind of as the leader, and I felt a lot of respect from them towards you. And I just overtalk you know, everybody. No, no, I I think you generally are are kind of the leader of the podcast. You guys can tell me if I'm I'm wrong uh, about that, but I. I just realized that that if that's true, I just think you were never meant to follow. I think you were meant to do your own thing. And once you were able to get your own thing and with a great group of, of co-collaborators, that's when your real creative uh, passion and energy was able to come through. I just want to say that was one of the things that touched me listening to the episode was to, to be able to see your leadership come through and how it's really blossomed. That was gratifying for me. As someone who yeah. dissed you early on, <laughs> that's totally. No, I'll I'll step in and say that's totally true. Glenn is is the leader, whether by default or just by the fact that he steps up and and does that. But um, no, he takes the lead on you know ninety percent of the editing work. Probably um, he coordinates a lot of our episodes. He's he's you know puts in a lot of legwork, and sometimes the rest of us just kind of show up and. And he's the one running the show. We all try to to participate and, and help out in our own different ways, but for sure, Glenn's the primary um, motivator. 
in the group, I would say. And I'm, I am super uncomfortable with that. <laughs> yeah. For real. For it. I am. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Uh, I know. No, you don't want to be. This is the thing. You don't want to be. But you're at, at times you're so much more enthusiastic than the rest of us. Like like Glenn, Glenn will just when you wake up on Thursday morning and, and something got posted by Glenn at three three a.m. That's because Glenn is just like super excited about whatever project he's working on, and he just edited it and posted it. And like we all wake up and we're like, oh, we have a new episode. Hmm, interesting. So, yeah. <laughs> well, I think it's I think it's really cool. Not not just your leadership, Glenn, but but just the the vibe and the camaraderie and the mutual respect of the panel. So I just have to make a shout out about well, that. Well, I, I think, you know, we talked earlier, some of the things that we, we wanted to avoid. Uh, and, and I think one of the things we really wanted to avoid was having a leader. And, and uh, you know, that, that's one of the reasons yeah, I, sure. like, I, we didn't want to have one personality that was predominant um, on, on the podcast. And I still don't, I still don't want that. Um, so I I don't know I, I it do, it does make me uncomfortable. I, I meant that in more of a backstage production sense. Yeah. We don't. I mean, we we still don't believe anything that comes out of your mouth, right? Or, or <laughs> yeah, give like you any, it, any extra yeah, respect. Nobody yeah. defers to him on anything. Yeah, no, right. Glenn, Glenn, yeah. Glenn, if Glenn's a leader, it's because he has the most energy and the most uh, motivation and the most skill in editing and the most um, red room. Got balls as big as church bells. Thank you. But if if you're look if you if you think of a leader as someone who uh, is an infallible figure. <laughs> he is an embattled leader because we beat the shit out of him all the time. Uh we, you know, we, we we all are free to just like free to totally unload on each other. No, it's just true. It's like true. we, how many times have we had uh, threads have gone over a hundred emails uh, where we're just going back and forth? Thirty-seven. Just going over our history. Yeah. How many times have I blown up on you? But then I feel bad afterward, and I and I I want to. Yeah, I know. Thirty-seven. What? Thirty-seven. That's how many. That's times. how many times I've been keeping track. <laughs> You've kept track. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and uh, like, there's no, there's no dominant person saying, oh, okay, fuck all you guys. Uh, I'm the leader. This is how I want it done. It's going to be done this way. It doesn't happen with us. In so, other words, you're not Mormon but, stories and you're not Mormon expression. <laughs> so, yeah. There's, there's no charismatic yeah. leader, but, but you know, but yeah, Glenn, no, it's, yeah, Glenn it's does brilliant. the most. And uh, you know, so I guess if you want to point to someone who's the most important person, for the infants and, and, and its success, it's, it's definitely Glenn. Yeah. yeah Glenn, Glenn's prolific in putting out content. He's extremely creative. We, we, that's why we brought Jake on Jake. What's, what's up with that? I thought you were going to come on and produce more contact, but whatever. It's, <laughs> but, but Glenn, he, he is, he is prolific. He started these mini shows and I thought to me, that was an inspiration. You're listening to radio lab, lab. radio lab. Sure. <laughs> this is Infants on Thrones. Mini sound. Is to be able to put out little blurbs of seven to fifteen minute episodes that that of topics or uh, something that that doesn't cover a whole hour or two hours, but needs to be said or wants to be said. Uh, that that to me was a, a real uh, important 
turn in our in our podcast and kind of some of the the things that we've done. And Glenn just threw one out, and it was so. So he is he is prolific, and he can churn stuff out and, and edits uh, edits the fuck out of things, as Randy likes to say. <laughs> uh, and and you know we would have had you know ten episodes a year versus the you know twenty four plus episodes a year that we, that we have if it wasn't for hundred episodes. We have 100 right. episodes to date this year. Nice. Nice. Congrats. Centennial. All right. So so for those who haven't listened, I want to just do a round robin. If each of you were to recommend one Infants on Thrones episode, what would be the one you would you would um you would recommend? So let's start let's start with Tom. Tom, what's if the listeners have to pick one, what would you pick? Jeez. Uh well, if you want to, my favorite mini soda is the regret one that Glenn did. So, uh, you're not thinking of doing anything stupid, are you? He was. And if I, um, I, I kind of have a, a soft spot for suicide, and you know, Glenn and I've we've had some pretty personal conversations about you know his experiences, my experiences, and stuff like that. So that's that's my favorite mini mini soda. As far as full episodes, oh, um, you're taking the hit so your buddies can think of theirs. Uh, I don't know. Well, I'm um, going to say mine. I'm going to say mine while you're thinking, Tom. Right. My, fa- my favorite, I think, is Who Wrote the Book of Mormon, where you interviewed John Hamer first and then you interviewed um, Craig Criddle. I, I swear. There's so much in there that I had no idea. It was so deep, so thoughtful, so insightful. Absolutely loved it. So that, yeah. I'm just I'm gonna I'm gonna put that as my favorite. So that's, all right, Tom. All right, that's a good one, but it's a little long for me. But yeah, I like it. Um, all right, I'm gonna go with Little Factories. I, I, oh, I yeah. I, I've listened to that a few times, and I think I yeah I was a part of it. I think just as far as like the evolution of the discussion goes, you know, there's some really fun humor parts. And then the, you know, edit, you know, the editing was really phenomenal where we edit in uh, the speech that was really pretty hard to find. And I don't know, there's some really and touching that's, that's parts. K. Packer, Little Factories talk. Yeah. And, and we, had, we had some really cool feedback too, you know, I, I don't know. That, okay. That's oh, perfect. Good. All right, Jake. Okay, I would probably have to say, and this is this may be a, there may be a recency bias with this one, just because it was it happened um, not too long ago. But I really really enjoyed the uh, polygamy essay smackdown one that we did because we had John Hamer, Hamer on that yeah. one, and having and listening to him, being able to talk with him uh, about you know deconstructing that whole essay was really really interesting. I thought it was fascinating. So you guys scooped me on that one. I, I you guys totally scooped me, but it was it was awesome. Oh right, right, yeah, because he he <laughs> was right, you had Hamer on. Right, right. Yeah. You yeah, scooped John, yourself, John. John. John, we only scooped you because you canceled. Right. <laughs> I know, I know. No, it was a good scoop. It, I was, I was. Oh, fine see, with it. I, I wasn't even thinking of that. Sorry to rub it in, man. <laughs> no, it's good. It's good. Um, I, I had approached him, but then my, my wife told me I needed to wait a day. So you guys, you guys earned it fair and square. Um, all right, Randy. I, I, I think my favorite one um, is Book of Abraham Smackdown Part One. Um, but mainly it's because of the intro. Who, who was on that? Who was on that? Mm, uh, I was on that. Jake. No, Jake was there was a special angry. guest? Was a special no. guest? Or was, okay, okay. No, Jake was, was the angry uh, personality. Yeah, oh, that one. Glenn, that, that, that. Glenn was the uh, uh, TBM whisperer. 
right. Jake dropped so many f bombs in that. <laughs> I, I don't know why episode. that one really got under my skin. I, oh, I, I, I that one was embarrassing for me actually. I, I, I yeah, changed but the way that I approach podcasts after that one. The reason why I love it is uh, well, first of all, it was my idea to bring in um, uh, Flight of the Concords uh, song Friends. Boom, 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 boom. They intuit that it takes a lot of work to indoctrinate. And when they mm. see that the kids aren't getting that early indoctrination, they right. panic. If they, if they see that they're watching too many cartoons or they're f- playing Xbox too much, or they're, you know, they'll try and rope them in exactly like Randy's saying. Friends sing together. La 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 la, friends do things together. La 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 la, friends laugh together. Oh man, I'd be the worst parent. That's horrible. (laughs) (laughs) Friends make graphs together. I can't wait to fuck up a kid. I'm going to... It's about time, Jake. What are you, what are you 25 now? There's our Easter egg. Friends help you when you're in danger. Friends are people who are not strangers. Friends help you shift to a new place. Tell you if you've got food on your face. Friends are the ones on whom you can depend. He's my friend. He's not my friend. Friends are the ones who are there in the end. He's my friend. They're not my friend. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm, I love I love lying to children. It is my favorite thing in the whole world world is telling them lies and getting them to believe it. Um, so maybe I should raise them in the church. If you trip over, I'll catch you fall. If you kick my dick, I won't break your balls. If you get drunk and vomit on me, I'll make sure you get untrickly. If you cross the road and a truck struck you, I'll scrape you up and reconstruct you. I'll cheer you up if you're depressed. If you get murdered, I'll avenge your death. <laughs> well, I've got my I've got my almost five-year-old convinced that I literally cannot hear what she's saying unless she asks it in a really polite way. <laughs> My six-year-old, sweet, sweetest kid. He would be such a great Mormon. Um, he believes in Santa Claus, the Easter Bunny. Um, but if you try to ask him about Jesus, man... He's not real. <laughs> but the Easter Bunny, I mean, <laughs> Easter Bunny. Friends go jogging at the track. Friends borrow money, never pay it back. Friends do not let friends do crack. Friends go out and grab a snack. Friends drink beer in the sun. Unlike your friends, they don't mind if you have more than one. Friends tell you when your fly's undone. Your fly's undone. But man, because the, the evidence of the Easter Bunny is he leaves a basket. The evidence of Santa Claus is he leaves presents. There's evidence, mm-hmm. you right. know. That's true. Those are all good. It's but what, true. what evidence? What evidence do you have for Jesus? My uncle John had a special friend. They dressed alike. His name was Ben. I've never seen two friends like them. They were very, very friendly men. Friends, friends, friends. Friends, 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 friends. And the intro really, to me, captures what this podcast is about. Um, so we have this this awesome song by Flight of the Concords with Jim Gaffigan. 
um, as as the guest star for that song. And and it's just us bullshitting before we even start the podcast about raising children. <laughs> and, and to me, the first that that intro is the best intro we've ever done. Um, I, I get goosebumps every goosebumps every time I listen to that intro. Um, but I also love the podcast as well because uh, we you know we we take a church article that's hidden from the members on lds.org. Um, on uh, you know apologetics for the Book of Abraham, and line by line we break that sucker down. All and right, that was a lot of fun. Book of Abraham Smackdown, Scott. Um, I'm going to say the Under the Banner of Heaven episode. It was, was that about Crack Hour's book? Yeah, it was about Crack Hour's book. It was towards the beginning when we when we started. It was one of our earlier ones. Um, there were a bunch of clips and everything that we put in there, but yeah, that was one of my one of my favorites. That book made me sick to my stomach because of the Lafferty brothers, but also just because I, I I realized for the first time there's very little difference between Joseph Smith and Warren Jeffs. You know what I mean? Yep. It, it yep. was that book that kind of drew those lines, connected those dots for me. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough book to read. Yeah. All right, Matt. Yeah, I'm glad Scott mentioned that one because now I can mention a different one. Um, one of my favorites is Fear. Uh, that was early October 2012, uh, an Halloween episode because it has so many elements. Uh, Glenn did some interviews. I did some interviews. I did a group interview where we played with a Ouija board, um, did some man on street interviews, and it was the closest thing to Radio Lab, I think, that, that, that was, was done. Um, and I, I just, I loved it. And then the other, the other two I want to mention are Bob's coffee, I'm sorry, Tom's coffee episode and Randy's arachnophobia uh episode where he talks about his um his growth in coming to go from abhorring to really embracing just uh homosexuality so those two things by embracing not embracing in like a literal sense but in a in a (laughs) mental sense i think you know what i mean but i i wish the other guys would do more mini shows because when they do them they're they're uh, just fantastic. Amen. And then, and then there's a there's a lot of episodes that happen that were never intended to happen. They were just conversations that happened organically, and there was just a, a flow. And we just started having fun and going on a on some little jag, and it becomes a new topic. And those, and I can't even point to the ones. And Glenn, you might be better than me to say this is the one that that happened. Those are fun because they're fun having it, having those conversations, and then they're fun listening back to them. Yeah. All right, Bob. Okay, so I'm not going to shy away from this. I I'm going to go with Bob's Mormon cred scale. <laughs> <laughs> this is my top surprise, surprise. surprise. No shit. Uh, You're saying it's the best. It was the greatest ever. For some reason, for some reason, number three point five is coming out for me right now. I'm not sure why. I don't know why that oh, number no. just popped in my head. <laughs> so um, three I, three I, to three point five yeah. is the, just for some reason that number. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. That's no awesome. comment. Uh, so <laughs> I, I really have a lot of fun um, w- when, I, when, when I can use this as an outlet to test ideas I have. And the reason I like Bob's Mormon Kretzkel is as a project is because I had this idea of defining the Mormon experience and quantifying it and giving people a credibility score, which is like an awful, horrible thing to do. <laughs> but it's, it was just so much fun. And, and the, it, it really just having all the guys sort of beat me up on – all my points and how I came to it and, and sort of 
you know, hold my own and show them how they're all idiots yeah. and they don't get it. No, I'm just kidding. It wasn't like that. But I, I had a lot of fun. And so that's that's the thing for me. I'm, it's not the best one, but it was the one that was the most fun. So I'm just going with that as my answer. All right. All right, Glenn, bring us home. Uh, well, I, I think we have to go with Tao of Mormonism. <laughs> oh, <laughs> for some reason, I actually thought I knew you. <laughs> no, no, but for for for, I think that's our worst. The Krista episodes, of course. Oh, I was going to no. say Krista. Yeah. That, that would have been uh, no. <laughs> when she channels Emma Smith, I mean, come on, for real? That was awesome. <laughs> what questions would you ask if you could talk to Emma Smith? Okay, people, you know the disclaimer: if psychic talk makes your blood boil then this is not the episode for you. What, what about like Emma Smith, who traced the outline of the plates underneath a, a handkerchief? I don't think that happened. Okay. Crazy, she said. She's like totally right here. Do you want to ask her anything? I'm like a strong Emma Smith vibe. So. Oh my goodness. Um, I don't even know what to say. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I mean... <laughs> What did, what did she think about uh, William Law? That was what I was going to ask. <laughs> <laughs> William Law? Other than, I think she, wait, William Law? Yeah. Did she hate him? She hated him. Would that make sense? No. Right. Well, it's, <laughs> Maybe. Not, it's, not, it's not how the story goes. What's the story? The story was that it's William Law... It's a lie, she said. It's a complete law. lie. So, um, what, uh, what, what does she have to say about Fanny Alger? I said, I told you I, I don't want to talk about these old people. I want to tell hmm. you what's true and what's not true. I'm tired of talking about these people. I'm done with these people. I'm tired. I'm tired of these people. Sorry. They're like jumping, jumping on a, they're showing, she's showing him jumping on a moving train that's preparing to crash. It was my goal to redirect the train. She's like redirecting it and, 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 and showing it away like towards, towards truth. Because I believed in the beginning and even in the end that Joseph could have steered that train towards good and towards truth. I always felt God's presence with him. But he chose to ignore that God in, in, in favor of like a crowd of people around him and pleasing that crowd. That is, that is when we grew so separate. It's because he, like, he has this little entourage and she's not part of it. She didn't, she didn't want part of it. That's why you're seeing me as antisocial and having nothing good to say. That I don't like anything. But in truth, I don't like the entourage. I don't like those around him. I don't like those feeling, they're like whispering in his ears telling him what to prophesize about. It wasn't even coming from him. Some of it didn't even come from his imagination. Because he couldn't say no and push people away. They were, like, washing his feet, she's showing. <laughs> but, yeah, but, she also said that you and Tom were married at some previous life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that was fun. But I, that was I, spot I, on. For, for reals, though, I've got the same answer as, as Tom, the little factories. I. I absolutely I love the discussion probably for a lot of the same reasons that Tom mentioned because we start off so locker room you know jocular with masturbation jokes and by the end of it we're just incensed at 
the the bigotry and hatred that's institutionalized in that talk and we like we can't even stomach it we're so angry uh and, and just like viscerally upset with it i i listened to that with with, with my kids and and uh yeah it was a lot of fun and and that, that that intro was the boyd k packer i'm too sexy of all the blessings that have come the best thing in my life is the companionship and coverage i get from very young men why would our heavenly father do that to anyone we raise an alarm an alarm I'm too sexy for wickedness. Too sexy for wickedness. It never was happiness. I'm, I'm too sexy for compassion. Too sexy for compassion. So-called tolerance must be wrong. We cannot be happy, nor saved, nor exalted without fighting the gay lesbian movement. Growing numbers of people now campaign to make spiritually dangerous lifestyles legal and socially acceptable. Now, in the spirit of love and sympathy, I speak to you who may be struggling against temptations for which there is no moral expression. And the simple truth is, the penis of any individual bumps up against the penis of another. Do not yield. Cultivate the spiritual strength to resist all of your life, if need be, in the spirit of love and sympathy. Keep your covenants, and you'll be safe. Break them, and you will not. I'm too sexy for perversion. Too sexy for that substance. It might be likened to having a little factory in your body. One designed to produce that substance that can generate life. As you move closer to manhood, this little factory will sometimes produce an oversupply of this substance. The Lord has provided a way for that to be released. You on the catwalk? Yeah, you on the catwalk? Yeah. I shake my little push on the catwalk. There are some circumstances in which young men may be tempted to handle one another. Sometimes this begins in a moment of idle foolishness when boys are just playing around. When a young man is finding his way into manhood, such experiences can misdirect his normal desires and pervert him. No one is predestined to a life of perversion. I repeat very plainly, physical mischief with another man is forbidden. I'm too sexy for the devil. Too sexy for sympathy, compassion, physical mischief. I'm too sexy for men. Too sexy for masculine, manly men. I'm too sexy for infants on thrones. Which was a lot of fun to put together. Um, and, and you know, so there, there have been a couple was, things like that. A little long, but yeah, it was good. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you great. guys thought some some of you thought it was a little long, but no, you know. I was I laughed I laughed so many times listening to that, and I was in the conversation. But that was the one that we've got feedback from a, a, a guy who's, who identified as a as a gay man growing up in the in the church who basically said thank you. <laughs> it was so great to hear you know four or five um, straight guys defending me. I felt I felt protected or I felt taken up for 
kind of as a, as a kid in listening back to yeah that, 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 that was that was Nate that, that was that was Zilpha's interview yeah. that Glenn mentioned earlier yeah, yeah that was Nate yeah. who, who gave us that feedback. oh that's right yeah. that's right and that that really that really did it touch yeah that's awesome well Glenn I, I, speaking of Chris I don't know if you remember this but there there was a time where I was interested in in sponsoring new podcasts yeah. out of the Open Stories Foundation and I. Like I, I got Jared Anderson to start Mormon Sunday School and Dan Witherspoon to start Mormon Matters. And I remember approaching you saying, dude, do you want to start a podcast with me? I think this is around the time, tell me if I'm wrong, that you were breaking off from John Larson. And what I remember you saying is that you wanted to start a podcast on Joseph Smith, yeah. but that you you wanted full creative control <laughs> and the ability to to play this thing with Krista with the seance. <laughs> And I was like, no. Yeah. Good move. Good move. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, it, it, that, that was around the same time that I was thinking of, of Infants on Thrones as well, um, you know, with, with these guys. Um, be, because, like, I, I've, I had so many conversations with her that were just so much fun. And, like, I'd, I'd read sections of the Doctrine and Covenants, and she would interpret things, you know, or, or say, like, oh, yeah, this one's definitely real. Oh, no, that one's made up. And I just thought that... That that would be an interesting way to read the Doctrine and Covenants. But what I really wanted to do with that that Joseph Smith project, and and I I still think about it from time to time, and I, th I think about it, you know, with with John Hamer is maybe helping out with something like this. But the 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 church or KBYU put together uh, a, a TV series. I think there were two seasons on the Joseph Smith papers, and so there's there's all of this content that's just out there ready to be. Smackdown, just ready to be critiqued uh, on on the life of Joseph Smith that I think would be so fun to do, um, but a lot of work, you know. So I've got all these Joseph Smith books, and I start reading them, and I get into like halfway through the first chapter, and then I get bored, and I start reading something else, and you know, Will someone read this to me. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> can I get this in audiobook? What? <laughs> yeah. So I just thought it was cool because you know how like those are stories of Elvis or the Beatles going to the record label and the the record label says no and then they go on and become famous. You know, I, I turned you guys down and now look what you become. Oh, you're you're bro, becoming wow. famous. Yeah. We're so oh, famous. Yeah. We're so. There are big. dozens of listeners, <laughs> John. Literally, literally. Well, but literally dozens. But so you know, and, and I think I think one. Of the inspirations, you know, you mentioned the you listened, John, to the Our Mormon Expression episode, but you came to Indianapolis maybe a month or so ago, and we were going to get together, but like, kind of at the last minute, I pulled a a, a Randy uh, <laughs> on, on you, like if it was a Tom That's date, but uh, and so we weren't able to get together, and 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 in the follow up, I think you suggested maybe we could do something together with Infants on Thrones, and like the thing that I first thought was I wonder if we'll get a John DeLynn bump because I because I must I'm a total stat stats nerd and stats hound and, and these guys will tell you it's it's one of the things that they're like Glenn why do you why do you feel driven to to uh, have this itchy ch trigger finger and release three episodes or four episodes in a week and I'm like because our stats are going down our, these bars they need to go up and they're going down <laughs> he needs medication yeah for it, really. i might yeah. i might so yes yeah, awesome. so yeah, uh, you, you always resist uh putting mormon anywhere in our tagline or rebrand now i mean i like infants on thrones we we i do put mormon in the uh, a, a lot of the 
oh, feeds, you know, when we, when we post. Yeah. But, but anyway, so, so I, well, I, I hope you guys get a bump. Well, I, I'm curious. Just when you, when you post those questions last week, we started to see a little bit of a bump. So it's already starting. So I'll, I'll, be, I'll be curious so, to see. But when we, had, when we did Tom Phillips uh, earlier this year, like in February, that, yeah. that like quadrupled our listenership that, yeah. or, or more. I mean, that, that, that was a huge uh, bump for us. So I listened to that, I listened to that one. Yeah. Yeah. That was good. Um, uh, okay. So um, uh, you, you guys have talked about being under the radar a little bit. Has, has anything ever blown up with, with, for you guys where like you did something and it either caused a huge battle between you or like there was a really significant uproar where people got really pissed off and were really critical or angry or have you guys just kind of avoided all that? Oh, um, boy. Kate Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Closest thing last week with Kate is that, Kelly. No, is that, but is none that, of us got angry that? with each other. No. No. No, we don't get yeah. – I'd say for the most part we've avoided all of that. Yeah, well, we, our dust-ups dust come up and resolve within a few hours and, and a few snippy emails that end up turning into texts, and then we all hug it out. Yeah, we hug it out, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but the, I mean Glenn already mentioned the Tom Phillips thing was a huge bump. Um, that caused um, a major increase in our listenership. Um, but the, flash. That was all positive. That was all positive, but the – the feminism thing. Um, I don't know how many listeners are members of Mormon Hub, <laughs> but right. those 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 people that uh, that are will know the huge personal like uh, you know you guys did a podcast uh, that I mean the the Kate Kelly John Delin podcast you know was something you guys it was a spun together. You, well, you spun together in like a matter of hours. Like I got an email. That Glenn was like really emotionally. <laughs> I want to talk about this. Do you guys want to talk yeah, about with this? Exclamation points! I want to talk about this. <laughs> Glenn's like, I want to talk about this. Get on the get on Skype. Can now. anyone get on Skype now? Right now. Yeah, and I was yeah. in a hotel, so I couldn't get on. But so the guys that got on got on, and they 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 uh, did that two-hour podcast, and then we reached out to Kate Kelly personally, and and well, a thread was by, started just by tagging her on the. The, the Mormon hub, you know, tagged both yeah. her and John, so they knew, hey, we're talking about you. The really right. personal tag, though, yeah. like, is very <laughs> and, intimate. And so that right, right, right. <laughs> Didn't that thread go over 200 uh, It comments? went over 300. Oh, it was like 300, yeah. 300 so is that, is that the biggest dust-up you guys have had in terms of, like, you know, noise or heat? From from outside? Yeah. 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 Okay. Certainly okay. heat. I, I, think Certainly the, I think the only one that that even comes close, and it's very small, um, was on Reddit when when we did the manacled Mormon and sex chains, and somebody oh, put the yeah. header, you know, do yeah. the do the panelists on Infants on Thrones read this because you guys suck, and you know, I, but even that wasn't that big of a deal. We we had some exchanges with them, and then it, you know, it's like all right. Yeah, and then they said, but Matt was on too, so it's okay. And then they said, yeah, you're right. Matt yeah. saved the day. Yeah. <laughs> Drunk Matt. Yeah. I, I think, I think the, the, the biggest internal things that we've had um, uh, just come from my exuberance and, like, maybe Bob saying, okay, slow down. And I'm like, no, I don't want to slow down. Slow down. You know, so, I mean, some conflicts with that, but it's, it's not really a big deal. Okay, so, so, so I want to ask you though, John. Did okay. did you feel that we 
uh, were unfair or somehow too glib towards you or somehow attacked you. Well, the, the number that. three, the number three or three point <laughs> five was in his head. <laughs> so, so Bob, you're you're often the self-aware police. How, how does how does John rank here on a scale of one to five, being self-aware in in this uh, essay? Oh, he's he, he's in the three-ish range. Really? Um, yeah, I give him a higher score than that. But okay, go ahead. Oh, you give him a higher yeah. score. I, I I don't know. I maybe I'm being too harsh, and I have to be self-aware on the self-aware meter. I, but <laughs> <laughs> I think there's there's some um, back padding. You know, he's patting himself on the back throughout here, like telling us about his his connections to the top. And um, oh, because you you know all of you people out there are asking so much this this burden of mine to expose all this information. Uh, I guess, since enough of you have asked. I mean, there's just... I'm, and I'm being a cynic, and I'm playing that role, yeah. but just the the way he's phrasing it is is kind of... Uh, but you but, know, but seriously, but you know that there have got to be tons Dozens. of... Yeah, I, I was trying to think of the right adjective. <laughs> but, but lots of people that keep asking him, what's going on with this? What's going on with this? And have been for months. And he's been pretty silent on it. And so for him to come out and go, okay, all right, you guys want to know what I think? I'm going to put it all out here so I don't have to keep answering these questions over and over and over and over and over again. And I thought he did a pretty good job with that. I, I agree. All right. Okay. Yeah. 3.5 out of 5. <laughs> <laughs> There's no half star. You have lost all self-aware cred. <laughs> don't start with that. <laughs> Did you listen to the episode? No, I, I listened to the whole thing. And um, no, I, I swear I was really honored and kind of touched just that you would even uh, think that it was relevant enough to talk about. So I was and I thought you guys were really respectful and I really appreciate your analysis. I I, I really this really hit home for me during the, the My Mormon Expression episode. But I honestly really value all the panelists' perspectives. So when you guys talk, I'm like, wow, this is really thoughtful. This is really seasoned. This is really insightful. And I learn a lot. So I, I really, I really appreciated it. And I was just grateful the whole time. There were several moments where I laughed out loud, very loud. Um, <laughs> and uh, I thought, I thought it was great. So I, I was grateful, really. Yeah. yeah. So what did you, what did you think of Kate's responses on the Mormon Hub? Oh, I'm pretty uh, sure he, he didn't go through all that. Uh, <laughs> no, he I, liked a few I, I mean, of them. Kate, 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 um, Kate reached out to me very, very early and, and made some fun comments about you guys. But um, I was glad the conversation was happening. From her perspective, any conversation about feminism is a good thing. What? And I didn't get that from our interaction. <laughs> that's nice of you to say. We'll, we'll run with it. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. That's my opinion. That's my opinion. No, I, that's I'm not good. saying that's how she felt. Oh, but oh, I, oh. I hope you guys can get her on. I think that would be really fun. Yeah, I don't see that happening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think it's I think it's an important conversation, so I, I'm glad that was happening. Yeah, I mean, we wouldn't we wouldn't be opposed to it. I just I I, I have a hard time seeing her wanting to that that would even might. be worthy. We're not worthy. We're not worthy. You're worthy. You're worthy. Get up. Because uh, you know, I got to tell you, from my whole experience with this f- feminism thing. I, I I really hate the the terminology and the jargon that's in it, like male ally. Like Man. I'm gonna I'm gonna identify myself as a male ally. I want to throw up when I hear that. 
Yeah. You know? <laughs> but 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 at the same time, I agree with it. I just don't want I just don't want to like get all those labels and uh yeah. It it's it's kind of left a uh, a, a sour taste in my mouth, even though I I do ag- agree that there needs to be gender equality, of course. But man, it's so hard to talk about. Jeez, it is, man. And, and if you open your mouth, you get accused of mansplaining, and yeah. I, it's just you know, yeah, it's uh, it's tricky. It's, but it's but it's also a really important conversation. Yeah. So and I, I I thought it was really fun. I was really grateful that you guys did but that. The, and, and then the I think the day after that happened, uh, you know. Bob and I and, and and Chelsea was part of it uh, for a little bit. She didn't say much, but but we had a, a conversation with Margaret Toscano that was awesome. And, it was great. and there was yeah. there was no like requirement that we speak the language or anything like that. We're just having a, a great discussion, and you know, feminism was part of it, but it wasn't the whole thing. Yeah. And, Margaret's awesome. Yeah, it was just Margaret's so fun. Awesome. So I don't, I don't know. Yeah. So you guys decided have... to be feminist rather than talk about feminists. Yeah, uh-huh. right. There uh, you go. But not feminist. Uh, it's not that word. Uh, yeah. And whatever. Chelsea, Chelsea was a brilliant addition. I have to say, she she is brilliant. So. Matt's got the biggest <laughs> issue. Yeah. A lot of people really like the placebo episode. Oh, I thought they were fantastic. Right. So, um, all right, so we're ready to start part two. Everybody ready? Everybody ready? Everybody ready? Hello, and welcome back to part two of my awesome, fun, uh, insightful interview with the panelists on Infants on Thrones at infantsonthrones.com. I'm John DeLynn. And now we're going to kind of get back to the personal and then end by just talking about sort of uh, issues within Mormonism generally and and within the blogosphere, the podcast realm, and the church. It's going to be kind of a free-for-all of a bunch of topics. But I want to start by just talking about a few more things that are kind of personal. One question that I thought would be fun is to have each of you just kind of share with something that you all do, each of you do, in your spare time that doesn't have to do with Mormonism, just so we can learn a tiny bit more about you guys individually and i'll start from the middle of the pack according to my little list on the paper so i'll start with scott scott what's something that you do in your free time that doesn't have to do with mormonism um so i just i've i've gotten into motorcycle riding recently nice well i've been i've been into into motor motorbikes and that sort of thing my whole life but i just got a just got a street bike so yeah that's my thing right now so not 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 motocross but but street bike no yeah is it a harley no it's a bmw Nice. All right. Wear your helmet. Promise you yep, wear your helmet. Always. Yep. All right, all right. Randy, how about you? Nothing. <laughs> I used to golf a lot. Um, then I tweaked my back too many times golfing. And, you know, I, I have a job that's a little bit physical. It's not super physical, but, you know, you do have to have a functioning back to do orthodontics. Um. And I've moved recently from Kansas City to Denver, and uh, one of the things that I plan to do once the weather turns um, is fly fishing. I've always uh, loved fly fishing. Uh, when I was at BYU, that's where I first picked it up. Um, BYU, um, Provo Canyon, it's a great place to 
to go fishing. Um, so that's something I want to do, um, mainly because uh, I need to find something that I can do with my boys. Um, that's you know good quality bonding time. Right, I've got a buddy who can hook you up, Randy. So let's talk afterwards if you want to. If you want a good experience, does um, he live in Denver? No, but but we could find a way to to make it work. Okay. Uh, he likes to go to Denver. I'll say that. Um, Is that oh, a euphemism? Right. <laughs> uh, no. Okay. Right. He, he likes to smoke. My head. He likes to smoke weed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I did not say that. He he likes Bob. to go to Denver. <laughs> Bob, how we about you? We all like to go to Denver. <laughs> hey Matt, what do I do in my spare time? <laughs> Movies, homie. <laughs> Gaming. There you go. Gaming. I'm a I, I'm a I'm a media consumer. I I love to play games, watch movies, listen to music. Um, so I'm I'm looking or listening, looking at a screen or listening to a podcast or music. Um, so I enjoy just I just enjoy that side of uh, sens- sensual stimulation. I don't know what to call it. It's fun. Favorite favorite movie of all time. No pressure. <laughs> well, I would have to say something like. You know, Citizen Kane or Casablanca, <laughs> but I, I'm going to go with. Um, for me personally, nothing tops a, a night of drinking while watching Office Space. Ooh, yeah, um, I'm going to have to go ahead and sort of disagree with you there. I can do that over and over again. That's not bad. Nice. That's mm. a good one. Good for you, Bob. <sighs> Bob. I'm going to need movie, to stay. Movie cred restored. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot better. Hi, right, Glenn. You're next. Uh, probably similar to Bob, but maybe not as snobbishly. Because you have kids. <laughs> not as yeah. snobbishly. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for catching that. No, I. I mean, I. I, I do spend a. So I'm scared to ask you your favorite movie now. My favorite movie? I. I don't know if I have one, but but we watched uh, Phone Booth the other night, and that's awesome. Love that. Yeah, it was movie. all right. That's, that's like Colin Farrell. Really, yeah, but it's all like. It, it all happens in this contained space. It's kind of brilliant. It's like the and it's just it's it's, okay. it's very talky. But I I like I like talky kind of stuff when it's good dialogue. So I, I like I like watching TV shows. Yeah, on, like Tarantino talky or like no more like Aaron uh, Sorkin. Aaron Sor- Sorkin. Yeah, more like Sorkin. I love Aaron Sorkin. Yeah, West Wing. Yeah, yeah, like West Wing is super cool. See, I didn't know that you could uh, list uh, watching movies. As uh, is your right. Yeah. <laughs> is that a hobby? Yeah. Yes. Bob, gotta... Bob even added drinking to it. Yeah. Since I've got my hobbies, my TV. Yeah. 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 So no, I. it's all right, Randy, because we're going to get you out fly fishing. You're going to be glad you mentioned that one. I, I spend a lot of time on my yeah. on my computer, and a lot of it is editing the podcast, and and uh, I'll do that while the kids are watching a show. My my daughters are enjoying Gilmore Girls right now. That's a great show. So, yeah. That's very talky. Yeah, it's it a very talky yeah. show. Yeah. yeah, Jake. Okay, so I mean, I'm probably not allowed to say this one, but uh, I play a lot of video games. Nice. Yes. Uh, I, th- I thought you were going to say porn. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Nudist, nudist clubs. Go, Jake. Right. Um, no, no nudist gun. Although I do love onsen, which is uh, Japanese bathhouses. Right, Glenn. Woo! Ooh. Um, so, so, Jake, do you mean like console games or computer yeah. games? Well, I usually do console games just because I I like the ergonomics of the controller. I just yeah. 
it bothers me to play on the computer. Although, like for, you know, yeah. First person shooters? Uh yeah, there's some first person shooters. Um uh I kind of like I don't know, I like stealthy games too, so when you're like sneaking around and, and, and the thing is, I video games are a thing that I think that I personally like to do, but I'm not convinced that they're not a terrible thing in general. Because I, it's just because, like in a video game, I'll be walking around and be like, you know what? I only have three smoke bombs. I sh- I should probably have five for this next mission. So I'll just walk up to a stranger and stab them to death, and then search their corpse and be like, oh no, he only had five francs. He didn't actually have a smoke bomb. I better go murder another person and see if they have a smoke bomb. So, so you like you play those like assassin games, right? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. That's great. Right, like Assassin's, Assassin's Creed and stuff like that. So yeah, and what's and the also one with for, like pimps? What's the one with like pimps and prostitutes? Grand and, Theft Auto. Yeah, Grand Theft Auto is also a great one. <laughs> the Bioshock series, I'm a big fan of. But yeah, I'm not sure that they're not terrible. But I like I like them. I also like coast fishing. I've gotten into that uh, here in North Carolina. Oh so. sure, I like bird watching too. <laughs> but there's nothing that can really compete with like being able to sit in your house and but uh, go through a simulated experience where you're like uh, the here you know save the world you know so it's kind of Love it. I feel like it's hot wiring your brain a little bit I don't know if it's a good thing but I like doing it so whatever it's awesome all right Tom uh, I like cycling and I love sports um, I'm also kind of a comedy nerd comedy nut that way good comedy not like the Bob comedy. <laughs> oh, what are you about uh, nice. Speaking of sports, I'm surprised you guys didn't do a SmackDown on that full page article that came out in the Desert News a, a week or two ago about how all all U of U fans should be BYU fans too. Oh yeah, right. I remember seeing that because it doesn't deserve the public <laughs> air. It's it's such crap. <laughs> we did we did do a Manti Teo episode. Hello. This is the real fake Lene Kakua. A lot of people have said that I'm fake. And maybe I'm a little superficial, but what do you want to know? I think Manti is a great guy. Anyway, Randy, this is what I want to say to you. Tonight, at 9 p.m. Central, I know it's a special time for you, and I know there are certain things that you want to do that you don't want to miss out on. I can help you with that, big boy. That's awesome. I remember that. All right, Matt. Um, well, I have a, I have a road bike. I like to I like to do road biking since I jacked up my knee a few years ago. Um, TV, movies, but I mean, this is this sounds real contrived, but. Um, my weekends, I just like going and running errands with my wife. We just kind of hang out doing stupid stuff as long as I know it sounds really horrible. It's less sweet because it's really not (laughs) me trying to get it on with her. It's it's really, it's a, it's a, yeah, it's like a long con is the more time I do that. I get to do stuff with her naughty bits. And (laughs) so, but yeah, no, it's, it's true. We just, I just like to, really do really mundane stupid stuff as long as i'm as long as i'm with my wife you're a smart man 
I know. It sounds like that. I wish it was, wasn't. I wish it just happens to be true. Do you take any road trips to California with her? We do, we do. We just did this weekend. We go to California. We just take road trips, and it's really not about going anywhere. It's it's it sounds it's horrible. I'm sorry, but I just we just. Are like you being, seriously apologizing for enjoying yeah. spending time with your spouse? We like being. I know it's but it sounds so contrived and it sounds so fake, and I hate that. But it's it's just we like being we like going on road trips so that we're in the car. You are alone. so sexist, Matt. You are being so sexist right now. Jeez. <laughs> Can't even believe. It. No, it's good. I love it. I love it. That's what we do. All right. So this is going to be probably the most serious question I ask, and I don't know if you guys are ready for it, and I don't know how you want to handle it. I promise it'll be the only one. I'm curious if you guys are willing or able to share something vulnerable with the audience about you that that maybe the audience wouldn't know. So something you've done you regret, something that's hard that's happened to you. Something vulnerable, and this will be, I swear, the only kind of semi-serious question that I ask. And if you want to make a joke of it, that's cool, too. No, but, no, um, seriously. Like, uh, the other day, I was looking for five smoke bombs, and I only had three, and I walked up behind somebody. <laughs> <laughs> and you stabbed him. I stabbed him. <laughs> I mean, he was more vulnerable than I was. Or she. It was a little girl. But, you know. So I, but I got the smoke bombs. So. Sounds like All right. Talk. Do you guys want to do? Do you want to do this question? Are you all right with it? Sure. Just waiting for someone else to stall while I keep. Yeah. Thinking. yeah. Let's, let's, all, right. all right. I'm gonna start with Tom because my, my honest answer is surfer thing. That's. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> Jesus! Don't you weren't gonna do that, Randy? Stop it! No, I, I totally. <laughs> it's just that you ask a question like that, and it's like. That's the first thing that comes to my mind, and how do I top that? Well, like, how just, do I come up? You don't up? have to say the first thing that comes to your mind. It. No, <laughs> yeah. but it's like, what else is there? That's awesome. Anyway, yeah. you ask someone else first. All right, all right, all right. So, Tom, going with you first. Ooh, uh, okay. I, I tried to kill myself when I was a teenager. Oh. Ooh. And I've always been, I've always kind of had this, uh, I don't know if it's a, fascination with suicide but i had a friend that killed himself in 2011 mm. and Oops. uh oh, this party really died <laughs> <laughs> but no in 2011 i had a, a friend that killed himself and then i then i became actively involved in the uh in the suicide support groups and i volunteered for the suicide hotline for almost two years that's awesome so wow all right, Tom. Thanks for sharing, Jake. Oh, uh, does anyone else have one? I'm I'm trying to think of one. I mean, I just I I know hard. I know one for you. Yes, <laughs> I'm not gonna say. This is a weird line of questioning. It's my only <laughs> weird one. Uh, okay. I, I, I'm looking down the list, and you've got his religion a net bad, and you think that we're finishing up at I'm part gonna three. Skip that one. Yeah, I'm going to skip that one. All right, so uh, right, Randy, come back to you. Um, jeez. <laughs> uh, can I can I jump in? Do you want me to All rescue right. you here? Thank okay. you. So Scott, That's Scott, yeah. This isn't uh, this isn't probably shocking to a lot of our listeners, and it's not 
it's not something that's unique to me, certainly, having left the church. It's probably ubiquitous, in fact, to everybody. But, um, you know, personally, for me, this whole process of of leaving the church, like, we joke about it and we laugh about it a lot, but it's really, really hard. And, I mean, even even though I've been out publicly, you know, for a while, there's still ramifications for it, like, personally, like, with me, with my family, with, you know, people that I'm really, really close to. Um, and so even though we have that tone of levity in it, I want to just kind of you know, I'll put that out there that it's, it's tough for me. Like it's not, it's not an easy thing even now, um, to be going through. I'll echo that. Yeah. Actually, uh, I'm, I'm ready to answer. Um, right. thanks Scott. All right, Randy. Um, this is a, this is something I, I would really like to do a podcast on. Um, I, uh, the, the question of, are you happier now? Cause I do hear a lot of, Ex-Mormons say they're so much happier now after they've left the church. And, uh, you know, part of it is that I um, have inherited from my mother, um, you know, a a pretty high anxiety uh, level. Um, I I haven't gone to a psychologist or a psychiatrist to to deal with it. I kind of self-medicate because, you know, I can (laughs) self-medicate. Uh, with uh, propranolol, uh, which lowers my blood pressure. Um, but I am anxiety-ridden, and that hasn't really changed since I left the church. And, it, you know, I can't honestly say that I'm happier now than I was as a, as a true-believing Mormon. And I think that's an interesting topic to, to explore. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's that's kind of my confession. I, I'm not going to be one of those people that... Uh, one of those ex-Mormons that trumpets, how much happier I am now than I was before, because I don't know if I am. Hmm. But Thank that you. doesn't, it, it really doesn't matter, because uh, I can't go back. You know, the genie's out of the bottle. I can't put the genie back in. So I now have to exist in this world. And So let me ask you this then. If you could go back, would you? If you could put the genie back in the bottle, would you? No. Okay. So that's, yeah. Because I've thought about the same thing, and I even though you might not be happier now, if it's an, if it's not a place that you'd rather go back to, I don't know. That's an interesting, it's an interesting difference. Yeah. We, we had a podcast about the truth seeking brain to me. Like I, I, I wouldn't take that pill. What is it? The red or the blue pill from blue pill be going back. I think. Yeah. I would not take the blue pill because I, the truth above my habit, I value the truth above my happiness and, um, that's something that is just ingrained in my DNA. So yeah. I wouldn't go back. Wow. Thanks, Randy. I'm going to do this testimony meeting style. I'm going to wait and let the silence force you guys to come out. So I'm just going to be quiet and let you guys self-select. All right. This, I'll go. This is Matt. Um, so my vulnerable thing is I'm irrevocably broken. It's because I've seen things... I've talked to kids about things that uh, nobody should talk to kids about. Um, I've lived it. And as a result of that, I'm, I'm broken. And I just acknowledge that I'm damaged because of, um, because of my job. So that's, that's my one 
that's one vulnerable thing. The other thing is, is from leaving Mormonism is relationships are, uh, with my family are, are worse. Yeah. And I want to, I actually kind of want to piggyback off, off that. So my, my family uh, stumbled across the brother Jake videos and, uh, my, my immediate family and my, uh, my mom actually listens to infants on thrones regularly, even though she's, she's, uh, definitely a true believer. And I, and the things that I'm doing, the things that I do uh, in Brother Jake and, and that I do on Infants on Thrones, I feel like they're, they are therapeutic from, from my end for processing this uh, exit out of Mormonism. But doing it in the way that I've been doing it has damaged my relationship with them. And I'm kind of afraid that I'm burning that house down. You know, I'm burning that bridge for my own you know, just to keep warm in, in this transitionary period. I don't know if if things will ever re- recover from the kind of public ridicule that I've brought or the the public light of, of ridicule that, that I brought on, on the church. Um, in their minds, I don't know if that'll ostracize me from them forever. And that's scary to me. And, and sometimes I wonder if I'm just being selfish, but... I feel like I'd go crazy if I didn't do anything. Yeah, I can relate to that a lot. Mm. So, mm. yeah. Thank so you, Jake. Mental health, the, the personal mental health is more important to me. Just to piggyback on what Jake, what Jake is saying. Right, right. I, I, I feel like every time we do one of these podcasts it, there's there's a vulnerability because we use our real names like i i use my name i talk about where i live uh, you know and and i've got children so you know there's times i worry about that and and you know think okay this is out here anybody can listen to it there could be somebody who isn't completely mentally stable you know in in different ways than we're not mentally stable and uh, it could be dangerous. So there's there's times I worry about that a little bit, um, and and wonder if I've uh, by by doing this for as long as I've been doing it and saying things that I say that could upset, you know, some people. If if I'm putting myself or my kids in danger with it, you know, because it, it, it's it's really easy to uh, be critical about things when you're on Reddit and you're using a, a fake name or you know, and any place where there's that anonymity. But we we strip that away, and uh, so I I, I kind of feel like anytime we have conversations, we're making ourselves vulnerable. So, yep, I relate to that yeah. too. All right, Bob. Oh gosh, I'm the caboose here. Uh Wow, you know, I, the first thing that happened with me is, as I did the Randy thing, where I'm like, okay, I can't talk about those five things. Right, what's what's number six on on creepy Bob baggage? That's okay for a podcast. No, I I I feel like um, we have a we have a really good time on the podcast, and we have a we have this banter thing going on where we're open and honest, and it's and I I mentioned it earlier. It's an outlet for me to to really express myself and also get people to push back on me in a way that I, I didn't get in my normal growing up environment or that I don't get quite in the same way at, uh, uh, at work or, or in, in other, um, spheres that I'm uh, participating. Um, 
but at the same time, deep down inside, <laughs> I'm the guy who always wants to reconcile and write the super long emails until we actually do understand each other. And when that doesn't happen, which it hasn't in life with certain people, and somebody just wants to walk away from me and and rely on the last assumption they made or the last interaction where we weren't able to come to terms, it actually affects me even though I want to admit that it doesn't or I want to think it doesn't, but it really does. Like I'm, I'm somebody who wants approval more than I, than I wish I did. So that's my thing that I don't want to admit, but I just admitted. How's that? Yeah, 3.5. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. That's awesome. All right, guys. Thanks. Uh, that was really cool. So thanks for entertaining that question. Um, all right. So now let's flip it. If you guys had to, if you guys had to tell the audience something that's kind of cool about yourself, something that you're proud of, something that you would even be bragging about um, that, that, you know, you may not want to say because you, you don't want to sound like a, you know, boaster, like an ass or whatever, but, but go ahead, like, let it fly. So Matt, what's something you're proud of? Um, I'm proud of the work that I do. Yeah. I'm proud of how good I am at it. I think it's something I do very well. And I, I'm proud that, uh, people would probably like, not like to see me on the other side in the courtroom. Yeah. So So you protect children, right? I mean, that's kind of what you do. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. it's definitely a, a calling and, something to get passionate about it's easy to get worked up over and i enjoy i enjoy advocacy i enjoy taking things that have very little evidence and being able to explain to juries how the real world works and taking no very little evidence and uh, explaining why you should uh, convict on the word of a child yeah all right glenn what's something you're proud of well, I'm proud of Infants on Thrones. Uh, you know, I, I uh, and, and this might be a little bit vulnerable too, but I've I've always had a really strong creative uh, urge, and uh, when w- when the internet was brand new, I mean, I think I think in 1997 I did a, a, a folklore web page, and uh, you know, people would submit their stories, and I'd post them online, and. And, uh, you know, that, that was kind of like, like a a creative expression for me. I I went through a phase where I wrote screenplays and, uh, even tried to shop one of them quite seriously. Um, talked with a a producer once and came, came, I I got offered a job to, to, uh, ghostwrite a screenplay and they were going to pay me $2,000 to do it. And I had to turn it down because I was in the middle of writing my master's thesis, and so I wasn't allowed to to uh, accept that job. But um, you know, so that so that was that was something I I've written music and and uh, play the guitar and sing, and you know, I've probably written over I don't know thirty forty songs. Um, I, I haven't done it a lot lately, and so my like all those creative urges and uh talents or whatever have been channeled into infants on thrones and then mormon expression before that and it's been really fulfilling so it's something i'm i'm very proud of and and enjoy uh just just that creating process it's a lot of fun at the fear of sounding like i'm washing glenn's balls uh i I actually think (laughs) i actually think 
think you're uh, pretty good at some of that stu- stuff, Glenn. And oh, you, been, you I, like my music because it's so much like uh, no, Reznor? no, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, that's not what he said. <laughs> All right, Bob, you're out of your screenplays. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what am I proud of? Um, before I uh, sold out and started working for the man and got an MBA and did the like white male thing to make money, um, I I had a, a couple of my own businesses, um, and I'm proud of the fact that every business I've started, I've exited successfully, making more money than I entered. Like not millions, but but uh, successfully making money, and and I've really enjoyed that. I I, I love entrepreneurship, and I'll probably um, do it again someday. Right now, I'm just a little chicken shit, and and like the constant salary I get from a corporate gig. But um, yeah, I started a couple websites, um, had my own um, computer house call business back in the day. So so that's kind of my my little thing is i i like i like starting businesses and and selling them i guess but i um i'm not proud enough of it to not work because i still need money sure <laughs> i have a lot of respect for people who can successfully start a business that's good stuff scott sure um this one might be a little bit more humble but it's something that i'm proud of personally so um i do a lot of home improvement um working with my hands kinds of things. I'm a big DIY kind of guy, uh, do, you know, work on my own cars, work on my own, um, you know, motor, motor kind of stuff. Um, anything around the house, I've renovated bathrooms and, um, things like that, re-roofed and done some pretty heavy duty construction type work for, for somebody who, you know, sits in an office all day. So I totally respect that stuff. That's good stuff. Randy, mine's going to sound totally cheesy, but <laughs> it's going to be, you know, honest. Uh, the thing I'm most proud of is uh, my six. I have two biological kids, six and eight year old, and they tell me pretty much every day that I'm the best dad in the world. Uh. A couple of times I've tried to show them that's objectively false. Um, like the true best dad would (laughs) (laughs) but uh the 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 love and uh respect of my my little ones is the thing i'm most proud of it's the best thing i've ever done that's awesome jake told you you gonna be cheesy no it's good jake um Well, this, yeah, I guess this, this is something I don't really get to say, but I'm very, very proud of Brother Jake. And this is, and the, the, because, uh, I started doing Brother Jake, um, with basically coming from no writing experience whatsoever, no filmmaking experience whatsoever, you know, just basically starting from nothing to some, some idea that I had one day. And I've never, advertised it anywhere. I've never paid for ads. I've never done, I've never, other than just upload the videos to YouTube and post them on a couple places, you know, I'll throw them up on Reddit or something like that. And then maybe occasionally I'll post them on, on Facebook and some of the Mormon places, but all of the following that it's gotten so far has been completely organic. I haven't really been pushed it or uh, done anything like that with it at all. And it's become kind of a meme of, of the, uh, 
fringy kind of post-Mormon community. I was actually very flattered when um, uh, Kate Kelly referred to it. She said super VIP heaven in her Mormon stories uh, interview. I don't know if you remember that, John, but I do. um, I was like, yeah, that was, that was a big, uh, that was uh, very satisfying for me. Um, Even though she probably hates infants on thrones now. Um, Oh, well, Uh, (laughs) I still got it. We still got brother Jake. Right. Anyway, I I am proud of that. That's something that uh, really came to fruition in a way that I didn't anticipate at all. So you should be proud of it, Jake, because I like bragging on you and telling you how, Hey, one of my buddies, brother Jake. And in fact, we do a podcast together. I love it, dude. Mm. I'm sorry I'm not producing more uh, on Infants on Thrones, man. I didn't realize I was letting you down. I got to get I'm I'm giving you shit, dude. (laughs) (laughs) What have I done lately? Come on. (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm actually in in total awe of how Jake is so young but so talented. And, uh, uh, like, I'm just so, so happy that he's part of the podcast. Agreed. Agreed. That's awesome. All right, Tom. Tom. Uh, I think I mentioned it before. Uh, I'm actually very proud, and I've, I've hardly told anybody this, uh, of getting involved with the Suicide Crisis Center for o- almost two years or whatever. Yeah. Um, that, that, was a, that was a tough deal. It was when I lost my friend, I kind of felt like maybe it's part of you know going through my crisis of faith where I felt like I was going through this. I was relying on, you know, guys like you via your podcast, John, and and getting involved with Mormon Expression and talking to Bob McHugh. I, I felt like I needed to pay that forward. And when it came to suicide, it just hit me so hard. I just felt like I needed to pay that forward. And so, you know, there was – it was a huge sacrifice for me and my family because I was taking overnight shifts and and hours after work and I wouldn't get home till pretty late. But it was – it was just something that I felt so called to do. And, <clears throat> and at the, you know, there were some phone calls that we would get in and, and I would hang up and I, <laughs> it was, it was, it was so touching to me because I felt like I was making a difference, even if it was just a handful of people here and there. But, you know, if, if somehow I could reach through the ether and touch someone then, then I felt like that was giving meaning to my life, and I don't know. That was that for me personally. That was just a big thing for me. I, you know, I talked to my wife about really being called to do it, and and she was a hundred percent supportive. And my dad actually told me at lunch, you know, a couple months ago that he was incredibly um, touched and and proud of me for doing that because he's like, I could never do that. I mean, taking phone calls from someone who's you know, up to their eyeballs and depression and whatnot, and they want to take their life. And, and, you know, I'm fortunate enough to take that phone call. It's, it's, I don't know, talking to people at that very, very, very vulnerable place is It's, it's something that it's tough. <laughs> it's really, really tough. And I had to go through training and all that, but it's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. That's incredible, Tom. And seriously, the, the, mental fortitude of talking to somebody at that moment in their life. I can't even imagine that. That's, that's Maybe serious there. stuff. Well, you know, and, and, and I think, I, I don't know. It, part of it is because, and 
there's there is a handful of this, and it seems like suicide is just becoming more and more common, unfortunately. But it's one of those preventable things. It really, really is. And when when my friend killed himself, it took me so long to go through the stages of anger and regret. And uh, I mean, I I was so angry because it's such. It feels like such a selfish thing when when it hits you so personal because. You, you you think why didn't he just reach out to me? Why why didn't I just make that one phone call? And why did I feel like I could have been a better friend to him in those moments? And it, uh, it just it leaves such a wake of destruction behind for everyone. It's so horrible. But do you think it's happening more that we're finally willing to talk about it and explore it? And so it seems like it's at the forefront too so often now. Yeah, but I also think that I, I don't know. I'm, I, Life I'm not is too, hard, and it's. I, I don't know the statistics, but it seems like it goes in waves. You know, with with the economy crashing, I remember it being very, very high right around then, and and luckily, you know, gay awareness is becoming more and more accepted, and so that's a good thing. But you know, there's just there's just times. I I do know for a fact that Utah County is is a hotbed for suicide, and it's just a combination of factors. You know, it could be anywhere from religious pressures to to gay. You know, being in the closet, not being able to be accepted, and you know, uh, prescription overdoses, and and just societal pressures and financial pressures, and all that stuff. And most yeah. of the time, the stuff that that I would encounter. It was mostly, you know, just hardcore depression and family pressures, really. Yeah, I mean, John, you can speak to this since you're a professional, but people don't kill themselves in a selfish state of mind usually. Um, most, no. of the t- most of the time, uh, they're suffering from severe depression. And it's not that they want to kill themselves. It's not that they want to stop living. It's that they want the pain to stop. Um, and so I'm, I'm very reticent to ever, and I know you didn't mean it in this way, Tom, but to pass judgment on, on people being selfish and killing themselves. Some people are cause you know, they got caught, um, in something they don't want to deal with the consequences of it. So they kill themselves. But most of the time people are just suffering from severe depression and they just want to stop suffering. No, absolutely. And, and, and I didn't mean to make it sound like that's that is reality. It just feels that way, right? Because we it can't, felt, it we can't, felt that we way for you as a friend. Yeah, right? it did. Because when it happened, you know, you're dealing with the loss of someone who's close to you, but then you're you're also dealing with this bitterness and anger and like, why does this have to be? Because it's so senseless. It's, it didn't have to be this way. That I mean, it, it is preventable. That, you're dealing with the guilt of what else could I have done, right? Yeah, because because you're taking a lot of the burden on yourself unnecessarily, of course. Because, like you said, it's it's taken me a long time to really accept the fact that you know my friend and myself are probably have a lot more in common than I like to admit. Because if I was dealing with something where I was planning to kill myself. I don't think I'd go to my closest friend and say, hey, you know, I'm thinking about killing myself. You want to talk me out of it? <laughs> that usually doesn't happen. Yeah. It's usually it's usually someone that you just kind of have to watch for signals. 
it, you know, like they become more introverted and they, they kind of become more isolated. You have to watch for those signals and then you have to take a proactive approach and say, hey, you want to go hang out and just talk and just let them kind of bring it up on their own. And hopefully they, they will. Sometimes they won't. But Yeah. Brilliant. Those, that was really that was really cool. Thanks for entertaining those two questions. Um, all right, let's shift gears, and we're going to end by talking about our favorite topic, which is Mormonism. Um, so we'll have a bit of a free-for-all. Hi, this is John DeLynn from Logan, Utah, and I am a douchebag. You can comment on this episode on the website, infantsonthrones.com, and if you really like what you hear, Give the quorum a five-star rating and write a short review on iTunes. I did. Anyone for the closing prayer? Have you really, John? Thank <laughs> <laughs> you for listening to Infants on Thrones.